Welcome to the program. I'm Larry Fedorik, sitting in for Mike Farwell as Mike gets an early start on the Christmas weekend. Merry Christmas to you. Happy Hanukkah. Well, I guess Hanukkah's over, technically, but it's still the celebratory season. Uh, happy Kwanzaa. Happy Festivus, which, of course, is tomorrow. you got to know Festivus is the 23rd. If you celebrate that, you're probably looking forward to getting the metal pole up in uh, your living room. But anyway, great holiday weekend. Is, is Christmas on a Monday the best or what, huh? It's the best. Because, well, outside of retail, because in retail, you're always called in, right? Everything's a retail holiday. Uh, but um, otherwise, for m- most other people, Christmas on a Monday, if it was on a Thursday, you know, you'd probably have to work 24th, at least a half day. This way, you, you generally, a lot of people get the Saturday, they get the Sunday, they get the Monday. And Boxing Day, of course, holiday, legal holiday in this country. So you get the nice four-day weekend. So um, it, given uh, all, all the different choices, uh, Christmas on a Monday, although uh, Christmas on a Tuesday isn't bad either, uh, because sometimes they'll say, oh, I'll take the 24th anyway, so there's no way coming back for half a day and then Christmas. So you get a five-day weekend, which is not bad. So Christmas, Monday, Tuesday, uh, that's the best, and it's aligned this year. Uh, and this is the weekend, I guess. I don't know if it's going to be the busiest shopping weekend or not. People thought that was going to be last weekend. But because of Christmas on a Monday, this might be the busiest shopping weekend. We'll see. Actually, the Retail Council of Canada is going to join us later on in this morning's program. And we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about uh, that, the shopping trends, the busyness uh, house business, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we'll talk about that with the Retail Council of Canada later on this morning. Hey, uh, for for yourself, I don't know what you're up to this weekend. Is it a last-minute thing? Is it some shopping? Is it food shopping? Which, uh, man, I used to uh, I used to go to work when I did morning shows. I would, you know, be leaving my place at like 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And at Christmas time, I would run into people in the elevator, and I'm like, "Wow!" I'm, I don't usually see people in the elevator, and like, "Yeah, we're on our way to Walmart." So, there are those people that do the 24-hour WalMarts or the 24-hour grocery stores. They do it at uh, in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning, like super early, just to kind of beat the rush. I, I suspect there'll be a bit of a rush this weekend. Weather's cooperating, so that's kind of nice, huh? Uh, maybe not a white Christmas, but at the same time, for all the uh, all the travelers, even the uh, the short trips, you know, to the in-laws or here and there for the holiday season, the holiday weekend, uh, I think it's better to, it doesn't matter to me. You know, it, to me, uh, it doesn't have to be snowy outside, family, friends, togetherness, celebration. Uh, I don't need, you know, I don't, I have, I have a, I have a, the fireplace channel. I don't even need a real fire. You know, it's, it's good. It's good you place importance on other things. So uh, what are your last-minute plans? Actually, uh, today, I love filling in on Fridays because it's Free Phones Friday at the end of the show. Between noon and 1 today, it's Free Phones Friday. Uh, So uh, we'll get your Christmas thoughts and uh, your thoughts on just uh, anything, the year that was, uh, what's been going on. Just uh, It's up to you, Free Phones Friday. You're going to take over the show and give us a call and share your your thoughts and stories between noon and one today. And of course, on various topics that we'll be covering, we'll be taking your calls uh, throughout the show, not just between noon and one, but noon and one, uh, noon to one, rather, free phones Friday. Listen, I wasn't going to 
uh, start with this story this morning. I, I probably wasn't even going to share this story at all today, except for it's all I've been thinking about since I heard the story last night. And even kind of preparing for this morning's program, I kept in my mind, I kept going back to this story. I don't know if you heard the story of this guy in Winnipeg. This guy in, you can look this up. It's a true story. It just happened this year. This guy in Winnipeg, he's like, uh, let's call him middle-aged. He's married. He's got a couple of grown kids, a uh, nice house. He's got his own business. Life is good. Life is good. Except this past summer, he starts to feel a little numbness in his uh, foot and his leg. So he goes to the family doctor. Gets an examination. The doctor says, uh, well, the doctor actually starts crying and hugs him and says, you've got ALS. And not only that, it's progressing rapidly. Now, ALS, sometimes called Lou Gehrig's disease, it's a, it's ALS is just paralyzes your body outside and in. It's just, it kills you. There's no cure. It's a death sentence. So why am I telling this story? Well, hang on, hang on with me here a second. You've got ALS, and it's progressing rapidly, and you you might make it till Christmas, but don't count on it. I don't know that's exactly what he says, but to, words to that effect, you got till Christmas. And we'll get your second opinion. So they get another family doctor. Second family doctor goes, yeah, ALS, progressing rapidly, Christmas uh, agreed. So now... This is, like, unbelievable. He's got to get his affairs in order. He's trying to shut down his business. Uh, he he is uh, planning his own funeral. Like, I can't imagine that. Like, has, has anybody ever gone through the process of buying a funeral plan or a plot for themselves? That alone can be so devastating. And that's just, I'm buying this. So that I've gone through this, so that you, you talk about all the, your demise, basically, but it's one day. When when I die, one day, then this part of the plan will be taken care of and in order. But uh, this is like that. That's beyond that. This is like before Christmas. Like you know, it's you're planning your own funeral in detail. Meanwhile, the family's crying every day, but at the same time, they're trying to say, well, the, our days are numbered as a family. We're, we're, we're crying. We should at least try and enjoy a sunset or, a, you know, birds. And I just can't imagine as, as, as somebody who tries to make the most of each day, just in general terms of life philosophy, I can't imagine what it would be like with that diagnosis. So l- let me get to the other part quickly here, because now this is like, why are you telling us this awful story? So this is maybe June. He's diagnosed, progressing quickly, ALS, you got to Christmas. In a couple of months, he ends up at a specialist for whatever reason, ALS specialist. And the ALS specialist says, um, yeah, you, you, you don't have ALS. What's, what's that? What, what, what did you say? Yeah, you're not, uh, you're not dying. Uh, what's what's that? Can you repeat that? Yeah, you're not dying. You don't have ALS. You have some nerve neuropathy uh, as a result of diabetes. 
Uh, that's why your foot's numb, your legs tingling, you're limping. It's, it's treatable. It's workable. Don't worry about it. Like, okay, imagine that day. Like, as as tough as it is for us to imagine that first day where you get the diagnosis that you're not going to live much past Christmas, to get this diagnosis that, yeah, you're fine. You're basically fine, right? I I just, that's why I can't get the story out of my head. Uh, it's just, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. And I watched a clip of this guy, too. And this guy, talk about having it together, man. He's like, uh, he's, he said at one point, he said, uh, I found out not only that I was dying, but that I was dying in the fast lane. That's what he said. And he said, so to get this other news now um, would be, I, I, don't, I don't know how, how I'd be that day. I, 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 think, I think I would just, uh, I'd be in the hospital because I'd fainted when he said, you're not dying. Like it would just be an incredible feeling of elation. Um, and just a gift, like, what do you want for Christmas, dad? Nothing. I got my life. That's, that's pretty good gift. I don't need anything else after that. You know, it's just incredible. And, and get this, he's not pursuing any legal action. He doesn't want to pursue legal action against the family doctors that first diagnosed him. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I was thinking I, I would be renting a small bus to transport the amount of lawyers that I had hired to the courts and the doctor's office for the amount of, of lawsuits I'd be bringing. I don't know. He's like, nope, don't want to do that. The only reason he's telling his story is he doesn't want this to happen to other people, which is understandable. So then the ALS Society uh, says, uh, you know, 15%, I found this out, 15% of people... Uh, who are first diagnosed with ALS are misdiagnosed. Now, 15% sounds small, but that would be, it. you know, these percentages and numbers translate to people and people's lives. And people's lives, 15%, that would be dozens, if not hundreds and hundreds of people who would be misdiagnosed and go through what this guy went through. Isn't it incredible? And it's kind of, in that sense, a good news story because he's going to be okay, pretty much. Um, you know, when he got the diagnosis, the other part was his brother and father had died from ALS, so he kind of accepted it. It's like, yeah, I guess it's my turn, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but then ended up at that specialist. So now ALS people are saying that uh, ALS should not be as as good as they can be and as well-intended as they are. Family doctors just should not be diagnosing ALS. You should go right to uh, a specialist, and that's the lesson from that. Other than uh, it's it's an incredible story uh, to hear. Like I said, maybe you understand now. I couldn't stop thinking about it because I couldn't stop thinking about this guy and what he went through for months and months, and his family, of course, and his friends and colleagues and everything. To suddenly be giving your life back is just incredible, right? Just incredible. Anyway, uh, there's the story. Now that it's now that now that I've said it out loud, maybe <laughs> maybe I've purged it a little bit. It's it's, uh, but I said, you share the story. And, and if you want to find it online, Winnipeg man misdiagnosed with ALS, you'll find the story. It's an incredible story. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. We've got a great show lined up. We'll talk more about that after a short break. This is City News 570. 
Welcome back. Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell today. Um, I'm not here next week, but I don't think the Mike Far... I heard Mike say yesterday his show is back in the new year. So Mike is getting an early jump on the uh, holiday uh, holidays, I guess, the holiday weekend. Uh, so you got me for today, Free Phones Friday, coming up between noon and one today, a chance to exchange some uh, Christmas cheer, Christmas stories, thoughts, whatever you like. It's up to you. Free Phones Friday. It's free phones. That's, you know, that's what it's about is it's up to you. Uh, coming up in a few minutes time, we're going to speak to uh, Ashlyn Clancy, the newly elected MPP from Kitchener Center, that by-election, by-election rather, back about a month ago, well, November 30th. And uh, she was sworn in yesterday at Queens Park. And it's, uh, I just, I thought it'd be a good time to talk to her because of all the time that she, you know, she was a counselor and she's, you know, been in campaigns and all that. But this is now provincial politics. You're elected to Queens Park. And there must be something to that moment when you are actually sworn, you take the oath and you sign the book, you know, and you're in now. Uh, so I thought it would uh, get get her thoughts uh, on that. She's coming up just after 9.30. Our uh, green MPP from Kitchener Center, Ashlyn Clancy, coming up just after 9.30. Uh, we're going to talk about waste, yes, and waste management. Uh, there's a problem, uh, well, not just exclusive to Cambridge, but I think people brought it up, um, the, just people dumping on the side of the road, you know, not even going to landfill, paying fees, doing anything, just uh, uh, dumping and a lot of it is business waste. Some of it is construction waste. Just getting dumped here and there. And uh, Dorothy McCabe, who's the mayor of Waterloo, uh, at council uh, passed, or excuse me, was not passed, but she initiated a motion uh, for a uh, new um, waste management strategy, basically. And again, it was rejected but something has to be done it's a very tight budget year we've heard that for the last couple of years tight budgets tight budgets uh but at the same time mayor mccabe said well yeah it is i understand that but in you know going forward this is actually going to mean long-term savings if we act now kind of deal so uh anyway our guest after 10 o'clock this morning will be the mayor of waterloo dorothy mccabe we're going to talk about waste management in the region uh, I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk to the Retail Council of Canada. That'll be just after 10.30 this morning. Uh, it's a good it's a good chat to have around this time of year, the Retail Council of Canada. So much of our world is, uh, our economy is based on us, uh, us, rather, getting out and shopping, right? Two shopping days left till Christmas, I guess, if you count today's like two and a half. Uh, so we'll talk to the Retail Council of Canada about some of the shopping trends, how the Christmas season is going for the not only the bricks and mortar, but the online. Um, there, There is this, um, well, I, I'll get into it later, but bricks and mortar basically loses a lot to online. And even if bricks and mortar have an online component, really what bricks and mortar stores are are there is to get people walking through their doors. And a lot of their online is basically to encourage people to come to the store, not so much the online component. In other words, they can't compete with Amazon, so they really don't. Uh, but it it is, you know, it is the season really to kind of to get out there, to sweat it out in the malls with everybody else. It's not Christmas until you've been, you know, lugging your coat around the mall uh, 
looking for something you can't find for two hours, you know. So, but but no, generally speaking, it's it's the Christmas shopping, the in-person shopping has kind of become this uh I'll say tradition, but it's rite of passage. No, what is what am I looking for? It's just it's it's a social event, it's something we do at Christmas time. Anyway, Retail Council of Canada is coming up just after 1030. In our 11 o'clock hour, a couple of conversations I'm really looking forward to, as as, as all of them, of course. But in 11 o'clock, uh, we're going to speak to a professor from uh, Waterloo, Dr. Omar Ramahi. This guy possibly has invented, like, I'm in awe of science, first of all. Just let me say, science and scientists, I, I'm truly in awe. The sciences in school were my worst subjects. Physics, biology, chemistry. I just somehow, in the day, did not compute. I was an English lit guy. Loved that, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and recess. I loved recess. But, but, um, and social studies. But, but the, the sciences. And I so wish if I could go back, I would just go back and study and even attend class, uh, which I often did not, and just go back and learn the sciences. Like, if somebody explains quantum physics to me today, I have to then go to find somebody else to explain the explanation. I, I don't know it, but I'm in awe of it because science is basically how stuff works. It's the world, how stuff works. If I'm scrolling through uh, pages and I see Neil deGrasse Tyson video come up anywhere, I'm watching it. Brilliant guy, l- explains science, in his case, uh, astronomy, and astrophysics in a way you can understand it. It's brilliant stuff. Anyway, I'm, I'm on a tangent here, but uh, this this man is a scientist, Dr. Omar Ramahi from uh, University of Waterloo. He's developed this method where you can get early, you can detect early, uh, early stages of breast cancer in like two minutes. And the problem with these uh, mammograms, they're, they're, they're X-ray driven. So you 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 shouldn't be taking an X-ray more than once, twice a year. What his invention is, and he'll explain more of it. But I was watching him uh, sort of explain it earlier today, and it's it's low frequency electromagnetic energy that he manages to uh, trap and analyze which has really no negative effect on a patient. And you could test yourself theoretically every day if you wanted, you know. Uh, so it's really just kind of a leap in in the detection and early detection of breast cancer. So we're going to have him on later on in the program. Now, do you remember the story on uh, Grand River Transit of the bunny back about two years ago, February of 22, they lost, excuse me, somebody lost a bunny, yes, but they found a bunny in a bus shelter, cute little stuffed bunny, you know, about this high. This is maybe a foot high. And uh, some bus driver eventually picked it up and brought it back to the bus terminal, terminal, and it kind of hung around. And if you remember, they had some really clever kind of campaigns, pictures that they put out of the bunny hanging around the bus terminal. <laughs> and it's really cute, whatever. And they, and uh, like, who belongs to this bunny? 
Well, Grand River Transit, uh, GRT has now said Ryder the Bunny is the new official mascot of Grand River Transit. So Colleen James, regional counselor from Kitchener, is going to join us for our little good news Christmas story at 1130. We're going to talk about Ryder the Bunny. That and more coming up. This is City News 570. Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell. Back in a moment. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. Hope you can stick around. Coming up next hour on our program, we'll be talking about waste management in the region with the mayor of Waterloo, Dorothy McCabe. She was the uh, member who put forward a motion at a council meeting for a new uh, a, a new directive and uh, was defeated. But nevertheless, we want to talk about the uh, issues surrounding that. And then uh, also the Retail Council of Canada. Next hour on the program, we'll talk about some shopping trends. Um, what have you noticed out there this year as you've been out and about shopping? And what does the Retail Council of Canada say is happening with our stores and our shopping? That's coming up on the show. Right now, uh, if you remember the uh, by-election back November 30th, Kitchener Centre, uh, it went to a Green Party candidate, uh, Ashlam Clancy, who was sworn in officially yesterday. And I thought, well, that's that's got to be a special moment. It would be a good time to talk to the newly elected MPP. Joining us, uh, MPP for Kitchener Centre, it's official, sworn in, Ashlam Clancy joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Larry. Well, thank you. First of all, um, uh, how did I do on your name? A- yeah, is it well, it's, <laughs> I don't think my whole life people ever got it on the first try, so this is pretty cool. Okay, because I'm, I'm sure you've heard there's this thing about uh, Irish first names pronouncing them correctly, whether it's Killian or Siobhan or Sinead or people. People are trying to say these names correctly. Yeah, I think in general, you know, as we think about equity and, you know, the diversity in our community, it was only maybe a year and a half ago, uh, maybe two years ago, somebody talked about pronunciation of names and what it meant. And I actually wept because, you know, growing up, you kind of get used to, you know, you get used to it, you know, and you just go along with things. But, you know, for someone to see how much it matters to say my name properly and for me to try to say other people's names properly is just, it's a kind gesture. It's a kindness, and I'm grateful. Thank you. Well, okay. Uh, no, my my pleasure. I, I did want to get it uh, correct. Now, the important thing, congratulations on not only the election victory, but the, the swearing in, making it official yesterday. How did that feel when you actually got sworn in and signed in? It's pretty overwhelming in a good way. Um, you know, being in that space in Queen's Park, it's so rich in history. It's important for the direction of our province. So you kind of really feel the responsibility of the role and to share this kind of big milestone with family and supporters and community um, is pretty special. So it was a, it was an amazing day. Yeah. I mean, you've been in politics, you've been in campaigns, you've been a counselor, but this had to be maybe a little something extra. Yeah, you know, I I kind of got into this just because I want everyone, especially my and my kids and people in our community to have a place to live in a livable planet. So, you know, I'm really purpose driven and the Green Party, um, you know, is really we're 
those kind of values are really important to us. But, um, you know, to have it come, you know, to kind of pursue it and you kind of dive in not knowing, you know, campaigns are really a gamble. You you, you work your tail off. You, uh, in the end of the day, it's up to the voters to see how things pan out. So to see this kind of uh, support and trust from, from the people of Kitchener to take on this responsibility and and push for these values in our Ontario Parliament is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I want to get into some of those things, but let me ask you, um, the uh, MP for Ottawa uh, for the region is uh, Green, Mm -hmm. and Mike Schreiner's from Guelph. Somebody did this. I I read the stat that there's 11 Greens elected uh, nationally, and that makes 25% of those from Kitchener or Guelph. What's happening? What do you think? <laughs> uh, Green's successful in the region. I, I don't, do you have a thought why? You know, I think uh, we've shown how we put people over partisan politics and, you know, wealthy supporters. I think folks are a bit... Uh, frustrated with the old way of doing politics where other people's priorities, your partisan priorities or the priorities of wealthy donors kind of go ahead of what we really need in the community. I think they are refreshed. You know, it's refreshing to see like Mike and Mike, (laughs) you know, really focusing on what is going to help us have a better future. What's going to help people's stressors right now. And just the, the way they're connected to the community, the way they share the, the voice of the community directly in government. And it's not a handing, getting handed a script. Folks really appreciate that and, and see the value of that. They feel empowered by having a representative that truly speaks for the needs of the community. And so I think, you know, it was easy easier to go door to door than probably for many other parties because we have these examples locally of what it what it's meant to elect a green Mm. uh and and politics aside mike schreiner is one of my favorite people to talk to i've I've had a chance to talk to him on on the radio a couple of times and i always enjoy the conversations um so uh there's a there's a good pairing of you and mike right now at queen's park which uh I look forward to more. Uh, people think of the Green Party often as, by the name Green and being a very, you know, about climate and environment, which which the party is. But uh, you campaigned on a lot of things. I, I watched one video. You talked a lot about education, class sizes, and our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must. I was a school social worker for eleven years. I have kids in our public system locally, and I grew up in the Catholic board and worked in the Catholic board. So. You know, I look at young people as our investment, and that's climate or education or housing. You know, if we aren't, I, leaders are often, you know, you see it so often where politicians are making, you know, choices right now on how to get elected in two years, you know, and really that's not good leadership. You should be having a vision for how do we create a better future for young people. And so whether it's climate or education or equity in housing in our economy, we want to be sure that uh, we're setting, like to me, a lot of folks are, as a parent, you know, really focusing on how do we raise good children and how do we invest you know, financially or otherwise in our time um, to make sure that they have, that they grow up well and that they have a good, 
opportunities like we were fortunate to have. So I think that that value of like looking ahead, trying to think of the decisions we make right now as setting a good groundwork for future generations is so important. But yeah, my the realities I see in the schools um, and even working with families facing poverty and, um, you know, mental health challenges, I think will help me um, you know, bring that social work voice to politics because so much of what I've done over the last decades has been uh, addressing these systemic issues that families face. And so I can speak to that and bring uh, that voice to uh, the Ontario legislature. The, the party in power now is not just your opposition. They seem the opposite of everything that that Greens or even NDP might represent in a lot of ways. And, I, and uh, am I correct in saying you, you said one of the things you wanted to uh, take on was the destructive agenda of the Ford government? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... To you know, to be frank, when the Ford government won their first majority, a lot of their initial policies were really heartbreaking for me as a someone who's concerned about the climate and concerned about the future for young people. So, I mean, we've seen an about face recently. You know, the Ford government is now investing in renewables and and they've you know put the land back in the green belt. So, I do think our job as uh, opposition, you know, is to hold the government accountable. But my job is also to ensure that we deliver for the residents of Kitchener. So while, yes, I will challenge the Ford government when they're causing harm, I will also work to build relationships so that we can deliver good housing solutions, especially in other types of climate solutions for the people of Kitchener and the people of Ontario. So we do collaborate, but we also will shed light and hold this government accountable for uh, harmful decisions they might make. You've only been there a couple of weeks, officially sworn in yesterday. Uh, Are you sensing a difference between being on a, on a local council as opposed to provincial politics? Do you, do you feel that right away or sense the differences? You know what, I'm glad, so grateful for my time on City Council because really they are interconnected in so many ways, you know, so I see that there's so many decisions made at the provincial level that impact the city's ability to do their job, but it's also important to understand how cities operate, what their priorities are in order to shape provincial politics like um we've done so many good things on on council like uh, approving fourplexes trying to reduce barriers for affordable housing you know looking at our lands that we have um investing in uh, solutions so uh and and climate solutions you know i've seen us do a lot locally as a city to um look at our utility and and shape the future of the utility building active transportation options for people so you know i i see some of the wins that we've had and those are the things that we can do province-wide and then there's stuff provincially that um you know has it's just such a big scope right so while maybe i could um you know work on smaller level um solutions by working with staff and stakeholders and shaping policy at the council meeting uh you know with especially with climate stuff and housing you know there's so much to be done that i'm hopeful i can i can bring the vision that we have in kitchener to the province so that all, a lot of cities can benefit from from the that work that we're doing here 
Well, all the best to you and uh, a Merry Christmas as well. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today, Ashlam. Uh, good luck. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Larry. I appreciate you making time for this. I feel like these kind of conversations help folks locally understand that the, the work that we're doing and then, you know, uh, raise that awareness of uh, what the politicians should be doing to serve the people. So thanks so much, Larry, and hope you have a safe okay. and healthy holiday as well. Thank you. Bye for now. Ashlam Clancy is the newly elected MPP for Kitchener Center in the by-election on November 30th and officially sworn in yesterday. So it's uh, super, super official now. She is the MPP for Kitchener Center. I'm Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell. More in a moment here on City News 570. The realities I see in the schools and even working with families facing poverty and mental health challenges, I think will help me bring that social work point to politics because so much of what I've done over the last decades has been addressing these systemic issues that families face. And so I can speak to that and bring that voice to the Ontario legislature. That was our guest moments ago. Ashlyn Clancy is the MPP for Kitchener Centre, officially sworn in yesterday after the by-election on November 30th. The, the seat that we all know was NDP and then went green. And uh, that was uh, interesting. So, and actually, the next day, I think, uh, in uh, question period at Queen's Park, the Conservatives made a point of that and some debate with the NDP about this or that that, uh, oh, NDP, you couldn't even hold on to uh, your seat there in Kitchener Center. So, uh, you know, they made a political point out of it. But um, uh, I I find that Ashlyn Clancy, and this is not a political thing, I I just find she connects so easily with people. Um, There are a few, well, there's, to me, only a few politicians. The politicians who get elected, they must have connected with their electorate somehow. Because they got voted in. But a lot of them, when you see them on their videos or whatever, they don't connect. Not all of them connect as well. Uh, some connect more than others. And Ashlyn Clancy was one of those that connected. And I thought, since she got sworn in official yesterday, I wanted to kind of find out, well, what's that like now that you're, now that you're official and in and signed in and sworn in? So, uh, there, uh, there she is. And yeah, Mike Schreiner. And I mentioned Mike Schreiner, who's the leader and he's from Guelph. And I I, I saw this, I wish I could give credit to the people that crunched the data or actually figured this out, but there's 11 Greens uh, elected um, across Canada in various positions, and 25% of them are from Kitchener-Guelph. Kind of works out to about 25%, I guess, 3 out of 11. I don't know, because Mike Morris is the Green MP for Kitchener Centre, uh, of course, Ashton Clancy, now the MPP for Kitchener Centre, and Mike Schreiner, the Ontario leader of the or Green Ontario leader, is from Guelph. So there, there's three out of eleven. That's about twenty five percent. There you go, uh, give or take. It's actually a little higher than twenty five, isn't it? Now that I'm thinking, simple math. Okay. Um, and and Ashlyn meant, mentioned in that chat about uh, she referenced election cycle generally, and I don't want to put words into her mouth, but basically what she was saying is, uh, you know, politicians in general getting to their their parliament, wherever it is, their legislature, and getting to work, and setting up their office and getting to work, as opposed to just trying to get reelected. And we really see, that, that's always bothered me that we're in this 
you know, the day you get elected, the the first thing you start, and this is absolutely bona fide, true, um, that you set up your committee to get reelected. At least maybe it's not your priority, but that's going the day after you get elected. And that's just a um, a quirk of democracy, I guess, although, and I I don't know the solution. If you have a solution, then please let me know because, yeah, you want to get elected and some people want to get elected for power. Some people want to get elected to make a difference. Some people want to get elected to make a difference, but then they like the power and that takes, so who, you know, and then then there's a uh, there's a there's a political system built in already so you may come in and have the best intentions but then you get handed the book on how this really works in here and you go through the three ring binder and now you got to go well I got to change my strategies now because we have this election system both on a on a municipal uh a provincial and federal level nowhere do you see it play out in a worse way to me than American politics, and I don't want to drag American politics into this because that's just it just sucks all the oxygen out of the room when you do right now, right? Right? But I I I watch a fair share of American news and it's they're they're just in a political cycle constantly because of the way they elect Congress, Senate, and the president. Where all of those elections don't line up. And then I, I don't have a better idea, by the way. It's not like, you know what they should do. I don't have a, I don't have a clue. You don't want to elect a government for 10 years or 15 years or for life. right? Uh, you don't want to say, well, this is the way it's, it's going to be because, but this whole idea of a government every four years or every five years that you have to reelect an entire government is just, it's not, it's not working. I always draw the parallel to uh, corporations with boards of directors who have to meet their quarters, right? Have to meet their quarterly estimates, have to meet their quarterly budgets. And then they have to somehow justify and balance the year end. What kind of five year, 10 year plan could you have if you're just worried about showing a profit by the end of September and by the end of December and then by the end of March, it's, it's when you're a government of four years, you, you, you're working on getting reelected. Plus you're trying to do the best you can in, in, in the time that that's allotted and it moves slow. It's like, it's like turning a ship around in the ocean. It takes a long time, right? So, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but I wish I wish there were more, I guess, politicians. And this is anecdotal. I don't have the stats. I just wish there were more politicians just kind of saying, okay, I'm going to get to work. Never mind getting reelected. I'll worry about that later. You know, uh, here's Alex. Alex, go ahead, sir. Uh, yeah, it is kind of a messed up system. That's true. Um, <clears throat> the idea, though, is that our constitutions, our founding documents, are supposed to be kind of the guardrails that they can't swear from right without the general population's permission which is the way it should mm-hmm. be right and then yeah. of course the judiciary is supposed to enforce that um and as, if that's all done then our our system does work it's a little clunky and monkey Amer- americans ours british all the western nations democracies although the u.s is a republic not a democracy but um 
but when those when the when the politicians start to ignore the constitutions and the founding documents and the judiciary starts ruling um you know kind of making law from the bench that's when the system breaks down and that unfortunately that's what we seem to have gotten into yeah you mean more in the states or just in general oh no here oh no here too uh since yeah. uh, since they brought in the charter of rights and freedoms our supreme court is uh, i call them they've gone uh, rogue uh they decided that they can start making law um and that's not their job their job is the, the elected politicians they make the laws Right. The whole job of the judiciary is, is it constitutional? Does it fit into this constitution? And, um, I mean, a lot of, in the states they call them constitutionalists, but it'd be the same thing here. And for some reason that became a bad word. You don't want that. Well, you do, because once you, once you exceed that, those, those borders, well, then you can do whatever you want. And that's when bad things start to happen. And unfortunately, yeah. um, we, 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 all the Western nations have, have gone down this path, and it's, it's it's leading to what we have now, which is, I mean, hell, you're talking about a possible civil war in the states. I mean, you're talking about uh, uh, Alberta separating. I mean, that that's what happens when, when you ignore the founding documents, which is maybe slightly imperfect, but they were pretty darn good. Yeah, Alex, I'm going to stop there just for time, but thank you, sir. There's a lot, lot said there and well said. I... It's correct. The, the the laws are made by the politicians, which are the people who elect them. So we make the laws, and then the are the laws right and constitutional, and can they be upheld? That's the job of of courts and judiciary, Supreme Courts, and so forth. So he's absolutely right. Uh, this I agree. I think the system is pretty good. I just think we what politics has done in the sense of politics in the twentieth and twenty first century is there's people who know how to play the system, and that's part of it too. It's not that the system is bad. It's like there's too many gaps and they're playing the system and we get played sometimes because of it. Uh, we're going to talk about waste management in the uh, region with the mayor of Waterloo coming up and also the retail council of Canada and shopping. That's our uh, topics. That's our shopping list next hour here on city news, five seventy. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedoric. An invention out of the University of Waterloo that could absolutely revolutionize the early detection of breast cancer. Isn't it? It's incredible. Uh, and also a bunny who's now the mascot of uh, Grand River Transit. These are some of the diverse topics that we have yet to cover on the show those two items in our next hour of the program, if you're sticking around or able to come back for those. And also this hour, just after 1030, we're going to be talking with um, the Retail Council of Canada, talking a little bit about uh, shopping trends. Uh, what have you noticed? I I, I got to be uh, honest here. I, I haven't been out shopping that much. We don't We've kind of over the years, as uh, kids grow and so on and so forth, we kind of pared down everything, not as much shopping. We we tend to focus on getting together, being together, which involves generally some, some food shopping and standing in line at the LCBO. But um, I, I haven't had the the shopping experience that I've had in years past, so I'll be interested to hear kind of uh, how many people are out there, certainly just to kind of looking around uh you 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 notice the mall parking lots are full and you notice that the um, 
the traffic is increased and and, and uh, things like that. So, well, anyway, we'll, t- we'll talk to the Retail Council of Canada coming up after 1030 about shopping trends and uh, the like. Right now on the program, uh, our guest introduced a uh, motion for some new waste diversion strategies in uh, the region. And the motion was defeated. There is um, sort of council balking at a new waste strategy. What is the problem and what's going on with it? Our guest is the mayor of Waterloo, Dorothy McCabe, joining us. Hello, Mayor McCabe. Uh, hello, hello uh, Larry. Nice to, uh, I think this is my first time being interviewed with you. Ah, well, and, and, and me, you, I guess, obviously. So uh, here, here we are. Uh, yeah, here we are. Mayor, t- before we get to your motion and the strategies, let's try and outline, could you outline the problem, uh, first of all, because it's not just landfills or, or trash in the street. There's a problem with, what, roadside dumping? Yeah, there's a, I mean, my motion was really to um, aim at a few, uh, a few issues that, so it does connect, I believe, really well to the region's strategic plan, which um, um, has and connects to some equity issues, climate change issues, um, as well as, you know, some cost-saving issues. So, um, you know, there, there's there's always, as Mayor Leggett from Cambridge had, uh, had indicated, um, sometimes construction materials that get dumped, unfortunately, into ro- onto roadside uh, and places like that. So, and then in, in with the climate change, or sorry, with the equity lens on, um, you know, there's there's often um, clothing, uh, electronics, even food that unfortunately um, ends up in our landfill. And so with the motion, I was hoping that we could, you know, look to um, develop ways to work with the community, whether it's our grocers, whether it's community groups who work with, um, you know, people who are lower income you know, people who are maybe newcomers, et cetera, to, to help create programs or systems where, you know, there could be clothing exchanges to divert clothes, uh, clothing and textiles from the landfill um, or where there could be, you know, potentially with grocers. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, organic waste of food that, that uh, is, that, uh, that is um, that's disposed of. And it's like, you know, you know, diverting that, like, say, organic um, into maybe some kind of food exchange or at least even a way to to um, to have it put into the green bin system. So, uh, and then, of course, with the construction materials, if there are construction materials that, you know, things that still could be usable by other groups, you know, let's look at what's possible. And I know they've done things like this in Guelph, and so, really, it was to look at what could be, what more could be done here. On the cost-cutting side of things, it's to, you know, the longer we can keep our landfill um, with with availability, um, the be- the less the less cost it's going to be to the region overall. So, it was trying to cover a number of uh, of priorities that stem from the region's strategic plan. All right. Now, the some of the chat was that it was a, it's a very tight budget year. Uh, you've just expressed some ideas there that would, to me, seem like they'd be a savings in the long run. Is it kind of short-term versus long-term? Is that what the the end thing was? I think, 
I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly what other councillors were thinking, but I think that's what it came down to is they were thinking, you know, what's the more immediate impact on, on the budget? You know, we certainly, I recognize as the rest of council does that, um, you know, with an ongoing inflation increases and, you know, and affordability issues, we know those are, those are real for residents across the region. Um, and so I think some councillors were, were looking to see ways to reduce the budget more immediately, whereas the proposal that I put forward would have a, you know, a, a small impact on the budget, a couple, about a quarter of a million dollars. Um, um, however, I think, like, ultimately, and the staff report did indicate that this would, if we were able to put a program like this in place, it would ultimately result in some cost savings for the region. So, I'm, you know, I'm a hopeful person. I'm optimistic. You kind of have to be or else you wouldn't go into mm-hmm. politics, I think. Right. But um, so I'm hopeful. I mean, there is going to be, um, we're, we're going through a, a waste management strategy um, in 2024 and looking at, uh, and looking at you know, our waste management uh, processes. So <clears throat> I, I still remain hopeful that through that process, Will the you know Jennifer Rose, who's the commissioner of waste management at the region of Waterloo, she has a lot of experience. I believe she brought in the programs that the city of Guelph uses. So I think through that process, I'm ho- I'm hoping that council and staff will see a way forward to to hopefully make the what was in my motion a reality. So um, you know it's it was my first kick at the can <laughs> at budget time, but uh, but I think in 2024 I'll have another shot at it. All right. I, I, that was my next question is what happens when a motion like this gets defeated? What do you do? Is it, do you really have to kind of wait for an entire cycle or can you try and sneak it in another way <laughs> a month from now? Like yeah, what happens? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, like I said, the, the region is going to be going through a, um, a waste management strategy and in, the, in 2024. So I was, I guess, getting out a little bit ahead of the game. Um, with my proposal, but certainly I did that to in order to get staff and to get council to think about this option um, um, and to signal certainly at least that that's the direction that that I was interested in going in and and you know partly to signal to staff that there's some support on council for that direction. Um, so again, as I said, I, I uh, during the upcoming waste management strategy discussion, um, I'm hoping that. Either I reintroduce the motion or, you know, staff will come back with a report <clears throat> that, that potentially includes this idea as one of their recommendations. So, so, um, uh, so we'll wait to see, you know, what happens mm-hmm. on that front. But if they don't recommend it, I will certainly put it forward again. Uh, what is this about a, a, a bag tag fee for us who walk our trash to the curb? Uh, is is there revenue there, or is it cost neutral? If we if we include uh, a fee for, and you can put out some an extra bag here and there. Oh, um, are you referring to the one dollar increase from the? Right. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, I know you're having a counselor uh, calling James on later, um, and she was she put that motion forward, but. Uh, in my understanding is that strictly just um you know you know costs have increased for you know everything okay. so it was really partly to to recognize the increased costs 
um, involved with the program, but it's also a, you know, a small measure to say, hey, if, again, if you can divert or compost or, you know, um, or, you know, divert your waste in another way, hopefully not on the roadside, but it was, it's another way to just tr- try to remind people that, um, you know, to, to be, to really think about how much they're disposing. Well, I guess ultimately how much they're buying in the first place and the packaging mm-hmm. and, you know, that goes into it, but then also um, how they're disposing of that because it, it has real impacts from a climate change perspective and certainly from the landfill capacity perspective. Um, so, yeah, these are kind of some small measures. Um, but, yeah, calling, calling James would probably be better, better able to answer that. <clears throat> okay. I'll, I'll ask her after I ask her about the yeah. bunny, yeah. the Grand River Transit. You know, and, yeah. and one of the <laughs> things that I, that I neglected to mention just uh, around the diversion stuff is the electronics. Like, we do have a program at the region to, um, you know, for collecting electronics, but I think like what I'm hoping we can do through the waste management strategy is is to really, again, work with groups in the community to figure out what are better diversion techniques. Like are there, are there programs that we can put together where those community exchanges or like repair, um, you know, you can bring electronics somewhere place and people can, you know, people in the community who are like to tinker and like to repair products, like that, were to give them an opportunity to um, to repair or reuse some of these electronics where possible, or or to take them apart and reuse components of it, rather than just you know disposing of them through the through the electronic recycling directly out the region. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that could be a part of it as well. Right. Right. All, all of what you said really has to be addressed. Uh, just before we go, um, I can't stop thinking about people who just, whether it's business, individuals, what have you, who just dump stuff by the side of the road. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's obviously against the law. Oh, oh, absolutely, it's against the law. <clears throat> so there's and, no way to know, police it and charge exorbitant fines for revenue? I mean, or is that you know, kind I, of ridiculous? I'm not actually sure how that happens, but I do, like, I know if there's, if there's, if there's like a lot of dumping, like, I mean, between waste management staff and maybe the police, I mean, you can go through uh, items that are disposed to see if there's anything that identifies who, who dumped it and, um, you know, and track it down that way. So um, it's, mm. I, yeah, I, I don't know the, the process behind that, but, but certainly I would imagine that there's ways to, to track down in some cases who the offending people are. And, uh, yeah, again, I, I guess I would just encourage people to, you know, think about the community and think about, um, you know, what we want our community to look like and the damage that that does, not just to, yeah. you know, the look and feel of our of our community when people decide to dump things <clears throat> either within the cities or in the, in the rural areas. But, you know, the damage that it does to the ecosystems in which it ends up. Like, it's just, it's such a... You know, it's, it's an awful thing to do, yeah. quite frankly. Well, well it just seems grand. so blatant. I mean, <laughs> waste management and recycling and all of this stuff is is all of our problem, and we all have to pitch in, so to speak. But when you just throw stuff uh, on the side of the road, that to me is just uh, uh, abusive. Well, anyway. Oh, it really is. Yeah, it really but, is. Um, and, you know, I mean, we do, uh, uh, to a greater degree as possible, keep our waste management 
they called tipping fees as reasonable as we can to discourage right. that. So, um, but ultimately, people have to build the cost of waste disposal into whatever their businesses or their or their buying practices are. Right? You. Um, so yeah, so that's part of it as well. You really don't dump stuff on the side of the road. Yeah. It's just so egregious. Well, uh, all the best when this comes around when when the motion and the idea themselves become recyclable here and uh, <laughs> and we get into um, dealing with with the waste management uh, mayor McCabe thank you so much for your time today yeah, and uh, Merry Christmas to you thank you all right happy holidays Dorothy McCabe is mayor of Waterloo it was her motion that was uh, defeated to introduce uh, at uh, or for the region I guess a new waste uh, diversion strategy. And uh, she outlined some of the ideas as you heard them there at the beginning of our chat. And the good ideas, of course, some some really basic. I I, I say really basic, like <laughs> I didn't mean that that way. But some 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 good ideas that are that are pretty basic. Let's let's figure out how to do exchanges and reuses and and these kinds of things instead of just tossing away, tossing away, tossing away. But uh, those those ideas to get them going would cost some money. Tight budget year. Even though it might be savings in the long run, it's kind of like, well, right now we just don't have the uh, the money, so to speak. It's tight budgets last couple of years. Uh, more in a moment. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. I'm Larry Fedorik filling in today. Back in a moment. I'm hoping that council and staff will see a way forward to hopefully make the what was in my motion a reality. So, you know, it's it was my first kick at the can <laughs> at budget time, but uh, but I think in 2024 I'll have another shot at it. Dorothy McCabe, the mayor of Waterloo, my guest moments ago. I'm Larry Fedorik sitting in for Mike Farwell today. And we talked with Mayor McCabe about a motion she put forward at council. They balked at it. They defeated the motion on a new waste strategy, a waste diversion strategy, uh, said they couldn't afford it. Uh, Mayor McCabe's contention was that, yeah, it doesn't, it's not going to cost that much. I realize we're tight on the budget, but for a small investment, we could see long-term savings uh, in recycling and reusing programs if we help initiate these where uh, our landfills won't fill up that quickly. And then there was the other issue of, of, especially in Cambridge lately, of just roadside dumping. This this just amazes me uh, as much as, like, do you still see people just toss a Tim's cup out of their car window going down the street? They do that because I see the garbage in, in the in the ditches and sidewalks. You see them. People must be just throwing stuff out. It's incredible that people still do that. Uh, but that people just litter, but this is like litter on a massive scale. Cause sometimes it's like construction waste and food waste and to just throw it out in the rural area somewhere in a field or even in a ditch roadside. It's like, wow, that's incredible. That's, that should be, if it was possible to, to actually trace those, those wastes back to who dumped them. And in some cases it might be, I realize there's a cost there because you have to like get the garbage detectives on the case, you know, but seriously, you get these people to, to figure out where this waste come from and then exorbitant fines on, on people for just throwing stuff on the side of the road. Come on. Uh, Andre is calling the show. Hey, Andre, go ahead. You're on city news five seventy. 
Good morning, Larry. Good morning. I know uh, Miss Dorothy McCabe can hear me because she knows I'm next to call. <laughs> okay. She's always on four-round panel. Lots of respect, lots of love for her. Um, uh, so I wish her a happy holiday. She's a wonderful lady. And uh, so the reason I'm calling is, uh, first of all, my joke is when I was a little kid, uh, we used to say, you know, it's okay to throw some garbage in because it's create job creation, right? That was way back. But um, if you remember, I don't know, probably 30 years ago, uh, people used to actually open their door on a red light and empty their ashtrays when it was so popular and just people didn't care. But I have to say, Larry, that it is getting better on that part of uh, loitering or garbage, I think. Uh, but we, we can do better for sure. Because um, I, I know, like Switzerland, where my in-laws come from, it's tolerance zero. You can't even throw a gum on the street and stuff like that. So it can be possible. Mm-hmm. But the reason I'm calling Larry is um, Mike would like this. Is you guys were talking about? I can't say the word exactly, but uh, how about the budget about uh, waste management? How 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 can we do better? Right, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, what, I, what I'm thinking, here you go, Mike, is how come we are allowed to throw our leaf on a street and that costs a lot of money? So I think that should be canceled, too. What do you think, Larry? For, for the leaf pickup? Where the you leaf what? falls, you leave them there. You don't put them on the street. Yeah, I don't. Uh, sure. Uh, that that makes sense, I guess. But uh, people just—how would you convince people well, not to rake, rake and tidy their yards and do their own mulching or whatever? Heavy loads vehicle to come and pick up these leaves, right? Uh, I think that that again, that's waste management. So I think the leaves should be leave them where they are on your property. Like I do the lawnmower, and I just go over them. It's good for the grass. Uh, and some people bag them and put them, you know, don't uh, put them to the waste management. But when you put them on the street, uh, it costs uh, all these heavy uh, vehicles of the city to pick them up and to <laughs> to bring yeah. them. Right. Uh, that's another problem that we have. Um, another reminder I have to say is school is off, and uh, at the end of and beginning of spring, you always find so much garbage in school zone because uh, they're closed during Christmas, they're closed during March break. So I just want to say to people, just continue, you know, um, stop laudering and uh, do it. We can do better. All right, we can, Andre. Good note to end on. We can do better as we can always, we can always do that. And uh, thanks for the ideas as well. This is City News 570 back in a moment. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. It's one day only. Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell. One day only. One day only. There'll be no specials on Boxing Day. Uh, the Mike Farwell Show itself will be back in the new year, but Mike's getting an early start on the uh, celebrations in the weekend, and uh, I'm in for Mike today, one day only. And I was just listening to Christine talk about the accident uh, story. It just brought to mind, not not funny, but kind of funny, interesting. Remember, uh, it was a few days ago, was it late last week or early this week, where uh, some guy... Uh, drives his car into one of the cars in the presidential motorcade, which was parked in Delaware, where the president and Jill Biden were at the Delaware uh, campaign office. Uh, 
And uh, for of course, anywhere the president goes, it's a motorcade. It's it's because it's the president. So there's Secret Service vehicles, so on and so forth. And he hasn't got the big official bulletproof Cadillac limo. He's in an SUV, and I imagine it's pretty armored as well. But he's in that. And there's several vehicles behind, you know, all the black vehicles and the men in black. And and some guy smashes into one of them. And you can see the video where uh, President Biden actually physically kind of jumps, reacts at the at the noise, you know. And uh, turns out it was just some guy. Again, not funny because it's a DUI. Some guys, 43, 44, somewhere in there. Had too much to drink, decided to drive anyway. Huge mistake. Uh, but of all the, like, of all the things that could have happened that were worse, of course, terrible. But of all the things that he has to hit, he hits a uh, car in the a Secret Service car in the presidential motorcade. It's like, you are baked, my friend. Forget about it. There's not so weird. Like I said, funny, not funny. But wow, all, all the things, you know. Just reminded me of that story earlier on this week. Hey, we were just talking about waste management with Mayor McCabe of Waterloo and Regional Council uh, not accepting a new diversion uh, strategy, waste diversion strategy right now because of budget concerns. Uh, and part of the message was we we have to do better. We all have to do. Um, I'm a I'm a single person living alone, so I my little five liter thing of garbage um i'm i'm proud the longer it can stay there without filling up like the you know i'm i'm proud of that and the more recycling i can take out it's all the little things we can do and i always think of this my mom rest in peace reused tin foil at some point in our lives, my brother and I probably made fun of her for it, but I think of it now all the time because that's the the era I grew up in. And not only that, my mom, who lived to be 94, grew up in an era where you didn't throw anything out because you couldn't afford to it. Not a Not a scrap of cloth, not a bit of food. Not a bit of food. There could be, I always said this about my mom. If there was a tablespoon of mashed potatoes left over, my mom would eat it instead of throwing it out. Like, mom has been in the fridge two days. I was going to eat a tablespoon. Like, what are we saving this for? And, and I'm throwing it out. No. And she would, she would eat it rather than throw it out. She reused tinfoil. So a piece of tinfoil. And if it had goop on it, she washed the tinfoil. Uh, any any kind of plastic freezer bags uh, got washed, uh, inside out, dried, saved. Uh, of course, all plastic grocery bags, we don't have those anymore. Uh, but just like bread bags, things like that, all of that got cleaned if need be and saved and saved and reused and reused. And they're like, oh, this is crazy. This is crazy. And yet today... And I don't know if you had a parent or grandparent that was kind of into those kinds of things. And yet today, it's like, shouldn't we get back to it a little bit more of that mentality? Maybe we don't have to wash our tinfoil, but shouldn't we have a, 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 because we really are, and I've been just as bad. I've tried to convert over the last couple of decades, but I, I was kind of raised in, in, in that wash the tinfoil mode and then i converted to kind of like just throw this out get new stuff new stuff throw it out throw it out throw it out 
it took a long time to to convert me into everything must be everything possible must be recycled you know drive my electronics over to the to the best buy because they're a recycling uh, depot and all those kinds of things you know uh maybe we need to do a bit a bit more of that like there's families you hear of them where they they try and go zero zero waste so they um they shop at almost exclusively at bulk barns and they bring their own containers to bulk barns uh and they buy well how do they buy liquids and things well they you know like almost zero waste and i'm like but those are very few and i realize most families most people just wouldn't have the time to do that on a day-to-day basis i'm just talking about a general mentality i guess of getting getting out of kind of the the throwaway society that we've uh become here's a shannon shannon go ahead you're on city news 570 yes larry uh so i just had to <clears throat> tell a little story because i <clears throat> am 70 but i was raised in that same era where you didn't throw anything out so i wash my tinfoil i use it two or three times i wipe it off and and my bags for my bread, whatever, and I wash them out. And my kids, you know, growing up, they'd like, oh, to their friends, just don't mind my mom's kitchen because there's bags hanging everywhere, drying, whatever. <laughs> yes, ours too, yeah. Yeah, the funniest is, <clears throat> so I buy a big thing of um, pork sausage or whatever and put it into small baggies, right? Because there's just, and so I have on it pork sausage. So then I wash that bag, Larry. And I make sure it's clean, and then I put some cookies in it, and I took it to my daughter and her, my son-in-laws, and he wouldn't eat the cookies because it said pork sausage, and pork had been in there at one point. <laughs> 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 my daughter's going, this is how we live. Like, <laughs> Anyway, I do my part. We had, and do you remember, uh, it's called masking tape, or we used to call it freezer tape. Do you ever have that? Yes, yeah. It's kind yeah. of a beige, almost whitish tape. Yep. Thin tape. Yeah. So my mom would tape on those, and we'd have containers that had written on that pork sausage crossed out, cookies crossed out. Yep. Uh, you know, apricot sauce either. crossed out. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 And I still do that. I'm such an old <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. That was great. Every- I'm glad to hear somebody else's is in that and 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 yeah and we had the same thing where you'd you'd walk into the kitchen a friend would be over after high school or something and and you're there and and there would be there would be a hanging bags or in the dish drainer all these kind of sheets of tin foil that were drying properly to get put back in the cupboard and get reused i did that the other day i i uh had two big pieces of tin foil on something and i was like these are perfectly clean. I don't even need to wash them. They just kind of, you know, they got a little condensation of it from the fridge. And I was like, no, I'm drying these off. And I put them in the cupboard. And and uh, a week later, I, need, I needed a piece of tinfoil. And I was like, ooh, look at that. So proud of myself. And I was like, I hope somewhere mom is watching me reusing tinfoil, you know. <laughs> but just in, again, general terms, the mentality of it. But yeah, you can always tell how many times a container or bag was used by the number of of writings on the masking tape um, that something was crossed out and just written in. Be- why wouldn't you just use a new piece of masking tape? Because you're saving masking tape as well. You're saving freezer tape. So 
good use of that as well. This is perfectly good. It's still got a lot of space on it. It's got enough space on it for me to cross out pork sausage and write in cookies. Just in case you don't know what these <laughs> what these are. Uh, hey, here's a, a quick question for you. Do you ever go to a store and, and you get there like 15 minutes after closing time? You didn't realize the store was closed and now... Oh, it's clo- you're closed. Oh, that's what happened with the Retail Council of Canada. I told you a couple of times that we're going to have the Retail Council of Canada on today. But full disclosure, we looked at the wrong time. And I thought it was 1030. It was, which originally it was, and then it was 1015. So in my mind, I'm like 10.30, but the person from the Retail Council of Canada couldn't do 10.30. They could only do 10.15, but I didn't realize that until 10.30. So they're closed. Well, closed. Uh, they're not available to come on. So we won't be talking to the Retail Council of Canada about uh, shopping trends, but maybe just colloquially or anecdotally, what have you seen? Does it seem as busy as it was? Because really, the the real bad year was 2020 because March of 2020, March 13th, Friday the 13th was the um, World Health Organization declaration of a worldwide emergency pandemic. That was, that was it. And I always make, it's it's a true story, a joke about that where people didn't really take it seriously until the next day when the NBA canceled games world health organization pandemic yeah i guess that's something nba cancels games because of covid it's like oh this is serious (laughs) you know this is sports is stopping that must be something so at the end of 2020 we were still kind of was promised it all seems long ago, as I say it out loud here, but it wasn't really only the end of 2020, you know, three years ago. The the end of 2020, we were promised and starting to see vaccines, which was just like amazing because we didn't know what we we're going to do, right? Those first few months especially were just really weird times, March, April, May. Summer, there was some promise of, okay, we can get out in summer, but we tried, but then the fall came, kids back to school, flu season, and, and everybody getting back together, sharing germs and things and COVID. So retail and shopping and Christmas at the end of 2020 were uh, weird. I remember having I remember having family over uh, for a Christmas get-together in 2020, just immediate family. And one of the things I made was uh, instead of putting out a bowl of snacks – I bought all these little cupcake um, papers, holders, uh, and made like individual little snack cupcakes so nobody had to put their fingers in the same bowl, even though we were family and we were all tested COVID-free and all that stuff. It's like, nope. Like all these little, and yet we were in a small room breathing each other's air, but at the same time, it was bizarre, bizarre. I have no regrets on wiping down all my groceries with Clorox or making individual cupcake size salty snacks. Uh, but we had a weird time. So as far as retail and Christmas shopping goes, we, we started to ease back in in 21 and, and 22. 
And I, I think for the most part, we've been pretty relaxed, maybe even too relaxed. I don't know. I don't want to get into that debate necessarily unless you do. But maybe even too relaxed in 2023. Uh, but to me, this would be, I think last year and this year would be kind of Christmas shopping and retail trends back to normal in my in my opinion, in my mind. I think there were some stats last year that said, you know, people were getting back into the stores uh, because as much as we can talk about the commercialization of Christmas and the much as we can talk about, uh, you know, what we're going to spend at Christmas, things cost more gifts, got to buy something for this person, that person. It's, it's so much of our, so much of our economy hinges on spending our money. One person's spending is another person's income. That's the economy in general. But just us getting out to stores and spending, uh, because another person's spending is another person's, one person's spending is another person's income, is a, is a much bigger kind of economic picture. But just the actual spending at a retail level is one of the biggest parts of our economy. And I know there's issues surrounding retail and over-commercialization and, and um, what's the term I'm looking for where where people aren't selective, they just have to buy all the time and consumer. Uh, the as much as there is that, there's retail's a big part of our economy. Creates jobs, you know. Creates first time jobs for a lot of people, entry level jobs. People, you know, we rely on them. You know, at, at one point during COVID, cashiers were our heroes, and they were. But um, now, what's what's the retail picture, like it or not, we built this economy based on going out and buying stuff, right? So uh, Christmas is uh, is where a lot of these people make their nut, as they say. So, uh, again, through um, mostly my fault, uh, we missed the opportunity to talk to the Retail Council of Canada, but we still wish them a Merry Christmas, and we still have lots to talk about. We'll pick up the show after a short break here on City News 570. I'm Larry Fedorik, in for Mike Farwell today. And again, my apologies, uh, Retail Council of Canada, apologize to them. Uh, and I promised that they would be on the show, so I apologize to you. Uh, misaligned the times so that by time we had them on, they said, no, we can't do it now. We were supposed to do it earlier. Oops, I didn't know that, so we missed them. Okay, uh, but still lots to talk about, and we get a chance to talk to you as well. Now, here's Paul. Paul, go ahead. You're on City News 570. You were talking about uh, family get-together, and you said, uh, you know, you took all these precautions, even though you, as you said, tested negative for COVID. Yeah. You know that that meant nothing. Why? Well, it's come out just recently that uh, uh, when they were doing all the testing to see whether or not these kits worked, any false uh, negatives, they threw away the data. False positives, right. you know, like that encouraged people to go get further testing. But false negatives, they just threw away the data. So apparently mm. uh, these millions and millions of kits had a very, very high failure rate. The uh, uh, You test negative, you know, but you actually had COVID. Okay. No kidding. Yeah, it was, uh, I was just reading about it on a major media center uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other day. Apparently, this uh, the government bought literally billions of these test kits. Sure, a very large percentage percentage of them did not give accurate results. 
No kidding. But uh, well, of we, course, we we bought them from China and we paid for them. And uh, you buy from China, you get what you uh, get to what you pay for, I guess. Yeah. I, well, I don't know about that, but but yeah, I, I know what you mean, though, in, in that we also went by symptoms. Like, does anybody have even a slight symptom even related oh, yeah. to anything you know, I, like I the fluoroquine? I was checking my temperature. I, yeah. made, I made the mistake, and I always think, but I'd do it again. Somebody was choking in a restaurant. Uh, they had just partially opened up, like, patios and that, and this guy was choking. And everybody's standing, uh, just sitting there. And I look and I think, you got to do something. So after that, went home and sat in quarantine for the next uh, several days, then went to the hospital to get tested and whatnot. Always made me wonder if I'd do it again. You know, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know. Uh, uh, th- sorry? I was going to say thank you for the call. I want to get on, get some other people on here, but I appreciate the call. The thing I've always said about uh, COVID 19 and our response was we've been warned of the possibility of a worldwide pandemic for years and years, and nobody prepared. So when it hit, and and let's be honest, we didn't know how bad this was going to be. We didn't know if half the planet was going to be wiped out uh, because it's possible that a pandemic could do that. Uh, and believe me, any number of lives lost is too many, but but the the we weren't prepared. And so we really just kind of danced as fast as we could and flew by the seat of our pants and all those cliches. And we had to spend money on this and, and that. And we thought, okay, testing kits and we'll do that. And we made a lot of mistakes and it became so not only just vaccines are, were already political, but the whole immunization and the pandemic became so political that I've often said, we have got to have a serious conversation about what we did right, what we did wrong and um, how to do better the next time. I, I assume that thing, that conversation is going on somewhere. Greater minds than myself are trying to decide this. But is it really? Is it really? Are governments looking back and saying, okay, do we learn from our history? I don't know if they are. Uh, here's Manny. Manny, go ahead. Hey, Larry, you know, you were talking about like family get togethers during COVID and kind of the things that you did there to accommodate yeah. certain things that you were worried about. Right. You know, right. I have a funny I have a funny story about that, too, because um, through COVID, uh, we didn't miss a birthday, a birthday, Easter, Christmas, nothing as a as a family. And it wasn't even about bubbles or anything. It's that we just decided as a family that. We have uh, three 90-year-olds, really, really lucky to have three 90-year-olds in our family, and we've got a couple of little young kids. And we talk to the 90-year-olds because we believe that they're adults, and that they reach the, you know, the, the, the age that they did, I guess miraculously, uh, through other dangers of life, that we, let it, we left it up to them on what they wanted to do. And you know what they decided? That they wanted to see everybody in their family every, other time, every time that they could. So they did. Yeah. And you know, those three 90 year olds, Larry, only one of them got vaccinated against or for or whatever you call it now for COVID-19. The other two who didn't miss a hug and a kiss from either one of their great grandchildren, they didn't get vaccinated. They're still alive today. Do you know what happened to the Mm -hmm. one that got vaccinated for COVID, Larry? Well, tell me. 
She's not with us anymore. And is it as a result of that? I don't know. But one thing I am very grateful for is the fact she got to hug and kiss every one of her great-grandchildren up until the day that that happened and every opportunity. We didn't listen to the, to the edicts that were put down on us because we're adults. We trusted ourselves with our own health. And there's no pandemic that would knock out half the people in the world. Don't ever believe that crap again. Look at your family. Trust each other. I love you, Larry. It's the season of love and giving. Merry Christmas to you and to everybody. And have a great... And and 2024 is going to be a wild ride, bro. All right. I agree. And back at you, Manny. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. During the COVID, my mom was 90. She passed last year. She was 94. Uh, It's coming up to a year. Since we lost my wife, she was 94. So she was 90 in, in those things. Uh, I have another family member who's immunocompromised. So we, we, we did have those concerns about number one, age and frailty. And, and, and number two, although she's pretty healthy, but still 90, you know, and, and somebody who's immunocompromised and more susceptible to these kinds of things anyway. So, but we, we didn't really miss anything. We didn't really, uh, we still did. As as a family, I, I I maybe not go as far as Manny, but uh, in some of the statements, but uh, yeah, you do also have to have to kind of I think have look at the science, look at your symptoms, look at you know respect uh, the 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 science and medical science, and at the same time kind of make decisions for yourself. I would agree with that as well. Uh, this is City News five seventy. Larry Fedorkin for Mike Farwell. More in a moment. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. And on the Friday floor panel today, I'm playing all four parts. Uh, we, sh- <laughs> we should have mentioned earlier that uh, because it's Friday the 22nd and Mike's away and people are away and all that kind of stuff and going about their business that uh, we didn't we didn't put together a Friday floor panel today. Uh, but it doesn't mean we don't have uh, uh, a-, a lot of great things to talk about. Remember the bunny that they were trying to find the owner of this bunny that was left at a bus shelter? on the Grand River Transit System. And uh, they made quite a big deal about this little, cute little stuffed bunny, just about a foot high, whatever, that who owns this bunny. And they were trying to reunite the bunny. And they had the they had the bunny posed in various areas of the transit terminal and the bus terminal and all that stuff and trying to figure out who owned it. And, that, and I guess we never found out. Um, well, now that bunny, some magic has happened. And that bunny is Ryder, the bunny, who's the official mascot mascot rather of uh, Grand River Transit. Now, a uh, rider the bunny is apparently not doing media yet that we know of. So unavailable, but we uh, do have the uh, regional counselor for Kitchener, Colleen James coming up after 11:30 and we'll talk about that fun story of making uh, bunny the official mascot of that transit system. So that's coming up on the show between noon and 1 today. It's free phones Friday. Uh, where we give it all, hand it over to you. So whatever's on your mind, whether it's Christmassy or not, we'll talk about it between noon and one on Free Phones Friday. I mentioned earlier how uh, how uh, enamored I am of science. Not that I know anything uh, about sciences or, or that I'm good at it, but I just marvel at scientists and their invention and how stuff works and and uh, all levels of science. It's uh, it's the answer uh, to every question can be found somewhere in science. And if there is no answer, we know they're working on it, on finding one. You know, this is this is science. Anyway, so uh, particularly fascinated with this particular story, and it's out of the University of Waterloo, an invention that may be able to uh, detect early stages of breast cancer in like two minutes. 
Yeah, this is pretty amazing. And it's the brainchild of our guest, a professor in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering at the University of Waterloo, Dr. Omar Ramahi, is joining us. Hello, Dr. Ramahi. Uh, hello, Larry. Pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for coming on today. I, I watched the little video explanation of your uh, your invention here, and it, I'm so fascinated. Can we start with how a woman would typically get uh, an examination for breast cancer? It's it's a mammogram. It's X-ray, basically, right now, uh, isn't it? Uh, yeah, right now there are different modalities. There's uh, mammogram, mammography using X-ray. There's ultrasound, and there's uh, MRI, and there's CT scan. But the most accessible to women around the world is mammography. And right. Mammography is based on X-rays. And, uh, and ex- now, yeah, go ahead, please. No, I'm just saying X-rays. You you can't get X-rays. Uh, you shouldn't have them too often, right? It, precisely, and that's that's by the way something that many women do not know that they are hazardous. So it's not just the the the, the anxiety or the uh, compression uh, inconvenience to the breast. But also uh, the fact that they are not—they uh, are potentially hazardous and and not that effective for many uh, group, uh, a huge group of women, those with the dense breasts, because it doesn't penetrate uh, deeply. And if you want it to penetrate deeper, then you have to have a higher dose of extra, which people don't like to have, anyway. So definitely, there's a, there's a need for something else. When I read about this invention and and I saw your name, I thought doctor, uh, medical doctor, whatever. You're you're in engineering and and computer engineering, electrical and computer engineering. So, but this is amazing. Tell me what you discovered and and how it applies to your idea. Well, we, we've been working on this uh, breast cancer detection for the last believe it's not the last twenty three years almost, and uh, we were barking in the wrong tree for a long time, and finally, uh, just the last uh, four years, uh, we've discovered that uh, it's possible to have uh, a low-frequency electromagnetic radiation. When we say low-frequency, meaning uh, below 1 gigahertz, uh, let's say 200 megahertz, 100 megahertz, that's very low frequency. Uh, That kind of energy travels just like the way X-rays travel. And that allows us to use modalities comparable or analogous to X-rays, but but not with the potential uh, effect of uh, of ionization that that comes with X-rays. So so what we have uh, developed is a system that mimics uh, X-ray mammography in the sense that you position the breast between a source and a film. This is how X-ray mammography works, right? You just have a mm-hmm. source of X-ray and a film underneath that captures the impression. We do the same thing, but the source is low-frequency electromagnetic energy, and the film is an electronic film, as opposed to uh, that common film, that typical film that we use for X-rays, uh, which which captures the impression. So this is what we are doing, and the system is very simple. We wanted to make it very, very inexpensive. Our goal is to make it uh, uh, affordable at a low-cost clinic, not just in Canada, but around the world. Right. So to for a woman to get this this low-frequency electromagnetic reading from her breast, is it yes. something she places on her breast? She places breast on it, something? It, it, I mean, what imagine, is there? A- exactly. I, imagine the way mammography works. 
a woman goat places her breast between a source and a film that captures the impression. We do the same thing. Exactly. Okay. The same, 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 same setup that the woman will not see a difference, in, except we don't uh, focus on the compression. The compression is an important part of x-rays. Here, we don't uh, do the compression. Second, uh, our system uh, is intended to work for dense breasts as well. And that's a major advantage. The, the other major thing that, that impressed me here was like for an x-ray, then you need an x-ray technician to be able to read it and a doctor and so forth. In, in your, and maybe you could explain this, in your idea, the the uh, imaging from the electromagnetic source is, is read by AI? And uh, yes, actually what we, uh, we prefer to call it uh, an impression rather than an image because it's really an impression. Just like impression, sorry, okay. Extra, uh, no, I don't mean to correct you. I mean to emphasize this point because yeah, it's yeah. a very important point. You know, uh, just like you know, if you if you fracture your uh, uh, foot or hand, you go and get an X-ray for that. But that's not an image, really. It's not a cut. It's not an MRI. It's an impression. So, mm-hmm. so we get an impression for both breasts, and we can easily give it to an AI or a decision maker, electro, uh, computer decision-based decision maker, and they will tell if there's an anomaly between the two breasts. So what we're intended is that just to, to have the doctor say, without, that consult, without consulting a radiologist, is to say that there's an anomaly in one of the breasts. And if there's no anomaly, the woman is, is sent home without any problem, if there's an anomaly, we recommend, we ask the doctor to send her to a, a, a second screening, a more expensive uh, screening modality. And that's basically the typical process that doctors go through. So we want to make this the first step uh, where the woman can be sure there's no problem, that she's let go home freely, or if there's an anomaly which our system is supposed to detect, then the woman is sent for further screening or biopsy or something like that. Right. And anomaly can come up even in early stages. And I think we still agree uh, that any cancer, early detection is better. That's the key. Absolutely. In, in terms of, in terms of the, of the uh, 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 percentage of, of probability of full recovery is much, much higher. This is what the science has shown, the data has shown. Second, think about it, Larry, the cost on on us, all of us. You know, I mean, the, the, you know, here we pay for this, uh, for the healthcare system, all of us. And uh, if, if women get uh, detected, if the cancer is detected early, I mean, you're preventing major cost. Uh, had it been detected uh, at, a, at an advanced stage. So it is protecting the health of the woman, guaranteeing the health of the woman, also guaranteeing the health of the of the healthcare system as well. So there's two important things. So I think that early detection nowadays, data has shown that early detection, most likely women will recover fully if the cancer is detected, not just for, for breast cancer, but for any cancer. So that's that's our focus, not just detection, but early detection. And how we do that by repeated testing a woman who is susceptible, let's say, the doctor said you have genetic disposition, she can test every month without the worry of ionization, of, of, 
of radiation that potentially causes ionization, which is very harmful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's amazing how often you could get tested. Theoretically, now this this device. We should tell people you've invented this device. You've I've, I've taken. You've experimented directly with human contact, or have you? And and what oh, is no. what? Where yeah, is no, the we, uh, what uh, stage is that, this in? That's a good point. Uh, uh, thank you for asking that. Uh, we are in the process of getting uh, you know applying for a Canada Health approval. Uh, so we cannot test on women, live women, or just women in general without uh, Health Canada approval. But we have okay. testing on phantoms. Uh, these are realistic phantoms uh, that mimic a real breast, look like a real breast. Uh, we've been testing on those, and they come. These phantoms come with with a cancer inside of them, if one wishes. They're not cheap, but they're available. Uh, we also have been testing on other phantoms uh, based on meat, chicken meat, uh, lamb meat, beef meat, and so forth, uh, to test the, the effectiveness of our method uh, screening modality for detecting, you know, something inside those uh, those bodies. And also, we've been detecting uh, using numerical phantoms, and that's an advanced type of computer simulation where you you mimic. You, you put the, a, a real breast inside the computer and you test it. So all of these are really, really encouraging. And that's what uh, we hope to go to the next stage that I just expressed earlier. That is Canada, uh, right. Health Canada and so forth. And then so, and I so, just want to mention that interestingly, yeah. I, I, I know several women from uh, my work and neighbors who said we want to be the, t- the first to be tested. Which is which is really thrilling uh, to see this enthusiasm from the people I know around me. Wow! So, uh, Health Canada approval, and uh, let's assume that goes smoothly. And uh, how far before? Because again, to emphasize, and you can help me emphasize this: that if if this all goes according to plan, these are relatively small, inexpensive devices that you say could be more readily available than big, expensive MRIs and so forth, right? Absolutely, absolutely. This is our goal. We started with that goal in mind. You know, I don't want to compete with an MRI machine in terms of cost. Even, you know what, even if I can come up with a machine that can detect cancer 100% successfully, which costs $3 million, I don't think it will be accessible to a wide range of uh, women. So so, so we, we started with the premise, we want something that is affordable. Uh, uh, and, and I want to emphasize, nothing is 100% effective. In other words, nothing will guarantee that, that the tests are the way they're intended to be. MRI doesn't do that. CT scan doesn't do that. Or, or mammography doesn't do that. So, so that's a given. So what we are, the, the niche that we are after is that it's a low-cost system that can help women detect early breast cancer. Mm-hmm. That's the niche that we are after. And, yeah. and, and by the way, breast cancer is no longer a disease of, uh, of so-called you know, developed countries or industrialized countries. It is spreading in, in, in non-industrialized countries at a faster rate. Uh, for, mm. for reasons that we don't have the time to talk about, which is not the subject today, but uh, but uh, it, it's not it's no longer a, a rich rich society disease. So, 
this is fascinating. I wish you all the best with this because I think uh, from from just listening to you on the video and listening to you here in the last few minutes, I think there is a there's a real need and a real future in this as well. So all the best with this, Dr. Homayi. Thank you for thank your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for hosting me. All the best. All the best. Dr. Omar Ramahi from the University of Waterloo uh, invented this device that can uh, probably, it's the testing has gone really well so far, uh, go a long way in inexpensively, quickly detecting early stage breast cancer. You could do a test in like two minutes. And I have, I actually have another idea here that I didn't want to share with the doctor because I didn't want to sound too crazy. Anyway, he, by the way, professor of electrical and computer engineering at the University of Waterloo comes from it from that end of it. So instead of having an x-ray, just to kind of go over it again, instead of having an x-ray, which is radiation, which you can have maybe once or twice a year, uh, you could do a test like this, which uses um, non-radiation, very low-frequency electromagnetic energy to capture a uh, imp- an impression. Was the word he used? Impression. It's not an x-ray. An impression. Um of of the breast in two minutes uh, without any harm to the patient. So theoretically, you could test yourself every every day, every week, every couple of weeks, every month, whatever you thought was necessary, uh, and no harmful effects to you. You could test yourself on this little device, and if it finds an anomaly, then, then you go for x-rays, MRIs, whatever's next, right? So this this in itself, and you could have, it's a very small, I've seen it, very small device uh, that would be relatively inexpensive to make. So you could have, you know, to get an MRI machine at a hospital, you need fundraisers and donations, and you finally get one, and it's a six-month waiting period. You could have 10 of these in a clinic or a hospital, theoretically, right? That's the beauty. of That's why I think this is so genius and so so fantastic. Now, the other thing I was thinking of, have you seen these ads on television for, I think it's it's under 100 bucks. It's basically an, uh, 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 an app, almost a thing. You put your thumbs on it, and you get an electro, electrocardiogram, and it, and it actually will email it to your doctor. So you just put your thumbs on it, and it gives you a heart reading. I mean, could it not eventually, this is not too far out thinking, to have it now, okay, you wouldn't be squashing a cell phone to your breast to get a you know a, a, an impression. You wouldn't do that, or would you? I don't know, maybe. But would it be a device similar that plugs into your cell phone and and then you get a reading and it sends it to your doctor? Like, really, uh, it's it's it seems possible, but it starts with Doctor Omar Ramahi and his invention at the University of Waterloo. Uh, More in a moment, and your thoughts on this as well. This is City News 570. We want to make this the first step where the woman can be sure there's no problem, that she's let go home freely, or if there's an anomaly which our system is supposed to detect, then the woman is sent for further screening or biopsy or something like that. Pretty amazing, huh? Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell, and I was speaking moments ago to Dr. Omar Ramahi of the University of Waterloo, and it's uh, an invention that could revolutionize detection of breast cancer, especially early detection, and the doctor is actually in computer engineering, uh, computer and electrical engineering, not a medical doctor, but looking at 
x-rays as a way of detecting breast cancer, uh, harmful radiation. So you can get an x-ray once, maybe twice a year. You don't want to do too much more than that. Uh, MRIs, months of wait, they're big expensive machines. So are other types of tests. So he's developed this device that could be fairly inexpensive to build that uses low electromagnetic, low frequency electromagnetic energy to create an impression in two minutes. And as he said, if there's an anomaly, then you go for the bigger test, then you start booking. But you can tell it's like, nope, there's no anomaly here. So, uh, and, and you could literally test yourself every day without having any medical uh, negative effects because of the way the testing is done. What a, what an invention. What an invention. And happening right at U Waterloo. It's pretty pretty fantastic. And uh, just to clarify, as we talk towards the end with Dr. Omahi, the next the next step is uh, Health Canada approval so they can do testing on humans. Uh, so we're a couple of years away from this being available at every clinic or, as I said, even perhaps an app that where you could do it yourself, some sort of device and app that you could buy and do it yourself, right? And And it's just like those heart apps that they sell now. It's not something everybody's going to buy, but if you've got a family history or concerns, then it's something you would uh, need, you know. Same thing for breast cancer. So pretty fantastic, pretty fantastic. Uh, I've been talking uh, about Bunny, the uh, mascot of Grand River Transit, newly introduced Bunny and the story behind Bunny. That's coming up next here on City News 570. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. And it's a free-for-all on Free Phones Friday coming up in our noon hour. Always enjoy filling in on a Friday because we get to do the Free Phones segment, one of my favorite segments here in the Mike Farwell Show. Uh, it's a Larry Fedorik in one day only, by the way. So next week, some programming, and then Mike's back in the new year. But uh, one day only for the Larry Fedorik Show and Free Phones Friday. We'll do that between noon and one Remember, it's almost two years ago now, um, there's a little bunny, a stuffed bunny, about a foot high or so, found or left, I guess, at a bus shelter on the Grand River Transit system. And uh, a bus driver eventually picked it up and brought it back to the terminal. And they said, we should find the owner. This looks like somebody's cute little bunny. And they did a bunch of stuff to kind of try and find the owner. And uh, I don't think they ever did. Nevertheless, Grand River Transit has now announced that Ryder the Bunny, in a transformative form, has now become the official mascot. And they even did a video introducing him. One day in winter, a small stuffed bunny named Ryder appeared in a bus shelter. No one seemed to know where he came from or who had left him there. It was very cold, and he shivered on the icy snow as he watched people pass by. Just when he thought he might sit there forever, he was saved. A nice bus driver picked him up and brought him to a big building full of buses. It was a bus garage. It was a wonderful place for a little bunny who liked to explore and get into mischief. Ryder played hide-and-seek. He watched the mechanics fix the buses and rode on their tricycle. But his favorite part was the bus wash. He loved to watch the buses get scrubbed clean. 
One day, he snuck onto a bus when no one was looking. He wanted to ride through the bus wash. The water sprayed and the brushes spun. But this time, something magical happened. The little bunny came out big. He sure did. He sure did. He's the big bunny. He's the mascot rider. Story ends for today, but don't worry. This is just the beginning, and Ryder will have many more adventures. Oh, I interrupted the video, but yeah, he he got big, and uh, it's a cute little video. And Ryder the bunny is now the mascot of the Grand River Transit System. Now, uh, Ryder the bunny is not doing media yet, but uh, we got in the business what's known as a good get as a guest. Uh, joining us is uh, regional counselor Kitchener, uh, Colleen James. Hello, Colleen. Hello, Larry. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I am good. Well, this is a fun little, uh, almost a Christmassy-like story for uh, the time of year. It is. I was listening as uh, you were uh, playing our, our video, and you know, I just couldn't help but smile because it is. It's a good. It's a good story. It, it makes a good story for how we we came to have uh, Ryder Ryder our mascot. So. Um, you know, I think uh, I think it should bring a little bit of smile to to residents' faces and and especially children. If people can find the video, the the original um, the little guy, the one that was found in the bus shelter, uh, watching the uh, mechanic and sitting around the bus terminal is just so. Yeah. I don't know. It's making me smile, making me laugh. It's good. Yeah, you know, I think um, it's it's good. I think I. I when I saw the video and, and how that, that the story and heard about the background, I mean, it is just, it, it's kind of heartwarming, as cheesy as it can sound. Um, but, you know, I think it's a way to bring community together. I think we do have mascots. We've got our Titan, we've got our Ranger, we've got, you know, Oktoberfest, uh, the various mascots. And uh, I think I think it's fitting for, for our, our GRT and, and Ion Service and uh Definitely, if you've ever been around the mascots, when, when kids are around, they're just so happy, you know? It's it's just a little piece of joy. Um, it, and I it really think is, uh, yeah. staff worked well well to put this together. Now, how did this start? I mean, organically, really, the story is correct. This, this little stuffed bunny was left at the transit shelter back in February of 2022, and it was picked up. And am I correct? The owner was never found? The owner, sadly, was never found. Um, so again, there's that piece to it, you know, um, uh, but, uh, the community engagement from all of the calls the, in, in the push out, uh, to find the owner, it just shows, we know, um, it could have been and it probably was an important, uh, uh, stuffy for someone. Well, you know how it is though. Now that Ryder the bunny is, is important and famous. Somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and say they're related. You know, that's the way celebrity works. You know that, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, I'm good, just in, in all seriousness. Once, once this becomes more known, I'm surprised that somebody may somebody may still come out and go, "Oh my gosh, that's that's our bunny." Somebody could, and I don't think you know we can't rule that out. And hopefully, there was such effort to go into 
um, I'm finding the owner of it that uh, it would be good. It would be a good close to, to the story um, as well. Now, is that how you chose to kind of make it a mascot? Because it was quite the story, and it, it got quite a bit of attention uh, back in 22, and it and and people were talking about it. Is that sort of what led to saying, why don't we do more with this? Yeah, community as well. Community kind of uh, rallying around this. I mean, even to get the name, that initiative, putting it out to the community. And, you know, there were three names. Do you know the three names, Larry? I, I don't. I was going to ask you about deciding <laughs> on the name, which I think is perfect. But anyway, tell tell me that. Yeah. So the three names, the top three names were um, Harriet, as in Harriet, and then um, Monty, because it was found on, on Belmont. And then Ryder, because the obvious, because Ryder likes to ride the tri- transit. So, um, but yeah, uh, the name Ryder had 45% of the votes when put out. Uh, so it was the community who really determined the name in terms of making it a, you know, our, our mascot. I think that's a collaborative, collaborative story there. I'm, I'm just glad that Bunny McBunnyface was not in contention, you know, because I... <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> so many different names. <laughs> there's always that. There's always that, that contingent of people who go, "Hey, McBunnyface," uh, but Ryder's perfect. It's uh, it's a great name, and it's a and and as he got big, he looks good. He's cute, small, but he's cute big as well. Yeah, you know, um, and it'll be it'll be good to see the pictures when they start going on social and people see see Ryder. Um, I know, I think Wednesday's launch, so um, it's uh, it'll be good to see those pictures uh, going around with our residents. Are there specific plans or times when when kids might be able to interact, or kids of all ages might be able to interact with uh, Ryder? Yeah, so definitely special events. You may see Ryder out uh, on on the transit, GRT and ION, maybe make some school visits. Um, I think similar to the mascots that we have now that you see kind of all year round, uh, a similar expectation here. Uh, we'll be seeing Ryder out in the community at many events. All right. That's uh, that's terrific. I think this is a it's a cool little story. And, and to see it grow from a, a little bunny at a bus shelter two years ago to this is uh, it's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, and maybe maybe one day we'll get that owner to come forward and say that was my bunny. Um, and and you know, there's a there's a longer story that can continue on with that. So uh, it's great. It's it's really great, Larry. Well, I see books and movies in the future, but that's <laughs> maybe I'm getting too far ahead too quickly. Well, books, movies, commercials, you know, all of it. (laughs) That's it. That's it. But right now he's only endorsing transit, which is, I I think, so that's good. That's good as well. We'll keep keep him centered on on our transit system and and encouraging ridership and getting some some good uh, uh, pictures and and stories along the way. Now, I, I I, I don't want to throw something out of left field here, but earlier on we were talking to Mayor Dorothy McCabe of Waterloo. Yeah. And we were talking about her motion that got defeated for um, a, a diversion strategy, a new waste diversion strategy. Uh, I asked her about bag fees and things like that. And she goes, well, Colleen James is coming up later. You should ask her about that. <laughs> so should I? Um, yeah, you know, I'm happy to talk about it. Um you know, and, and I'll just speak briefly to uh, uh, Councillor McCabe, Mayor McCabe's motion. 
I do support the diversion strat, uh, diversion, and I think we'll get there. We've got the, you know, our master plan, our waste management master plan is coming up. We've got changes with our blue bin recycling, um, and and you know, we we may be able to to, and we should be able to uh, work towards a, a, um, a strategy specific to Dorothy's motion in the coming years. I don't think it's completely off the table. It just wasn't right now, and. As for my my bag pig motion, it was really about, um, you know, we need to get people into better practices around waste in general and just in encouraging those. And a lot of people are getting their garbage within the the three bag limit. Um, you know, sadly, sometimes I drive around and on 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 garbage days, and I'm seeing, I'm I'm watching, I'm seeing that people are being responsible with their with their garbage and. Um, the bag tags, I think there's still work to do, and it's one way to to just, um, you know, try to encourage uh, better use um, uh, with how we, we um, um, you know, throw out our waste. Uh, a lot of it we can all work on getting better practices around that. Mm. So the fee, it's an... Uh, you know, it's a dollar increase. I think it was ten dollars for a strip of of five. Now it's fifteen. It's in line with some of the other area uh, municipalities uh, that also. Except Toronto was astronomical, thirty dollars <laughs> for wow. bag tags in Toronto. So you know, I mean, it's uh, it's it's a way to. It's not big. You know, it's people are generally good practices around around here. I think we all can do better, including myself. So it's just a. Yeah. A small small change to to the fee, the bag tag fee, and again, it's to encourage better uh, recycling and, and really uh, reducing the waste. Well, it's interesting when we talked to the mayor. That was kind of how we ended it, and a few callers echoed the same thing as well. How we could do better. So th- there is that we could all do a little better. I uh, yeah. I echo that as well. Small changes, you know, I think every household, you know, uh, potentially, you know, everyone's mindful of it, but I think yeah, we can all do a little better. And, and I think we, we recognize that. So um, it was it was the one change and the bigger again down the road leading to that um, waste diversion uh, strategy and, and looking at how we can partner with organizations who are doing work as well. I mean, the way we reuse products, there's some innovative ways happening within the community and, and globally as well and nationally. So um, I think it's, it involves conversations too. So we want to make sure we're doing yeah. the engagement, knowing who's doing what and, and how we can complement that and, and partner down the road. So our waste management master plan will We'll have have more of that incorporated in the coming years. Have you ever thought of a waste management mascot, perhaps? <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I think that one I would want to put out to the community and see what we. There you go. Back. Right. <laughs> I'm suggesting Baggy. The uh, well, I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> but back to uh, back to Bunny Ryder, the Bunny. Yeah, uh, and Grand River uh, Transit uh, mascot. That's a it's it's a great initiative, and I'm I'm glad you're able to uh, talk about it. And uh, it's it's very cool. Thank you for talking about that as well. Absolutely, Larry. I'm glad I was able to uh, speak with you on your one day appearance. Um, uh, and hopefully, we'll speak again. You bet. Thank you, Colleen. Merry Christmas. Just, uh, you know, thank you to your listeners and and Merry Christmas for those celebrating and be safe and get some rest this holiday season. All right. Colleen James, thank you. Colleen James, regional counselor, Kitchener. Uh, Yeah, get some rest. Yeah, there's that's a good one. Get some rest.
that's uh, that's kind of usually a, at the the last thing you want to do over Christmas because you're so busy going here and there, relaxing that you forget to actually rest at some point. But anyway, Colleen James uh, initially talking uh, about the Grand River Transit rider, the bunny mascot, who was, again, if you haven't heard the story or don't remember the story back in February of 2022, somebody found this little stuffed bunny like a foot high, like yay high. Uh, in a transit shelter, it was just there, and a bus driver picked it up, brought it back to the terminal, and uh, they just said, we should find the owner. It's a cute little uh, bunny, and it's, it's obviously somebody's sweet, sweet little bunny, and we're not able to find the owner, but the story kind of caught on. People were kind of like, hey, the bunny, we'll find the owner. Who's the bunny? And eventually, this turned into um, Bunny the mascot, who, as you heard in the video, while riding one of the buses through the car wash, something magical happened. And Bunny got big, so uh, there's uh, there's this big Bunny now that's uh, going to be traveling around promoting uh, transit and Grand River Transit specifically. So, calling James there to talk about that. This is City News five seventy. More in a moment. When I saw the video and how that story and heard about the background, I mean, it is just kind of heartwarming, as cheesy as it can sound. But, you know, I think it's a way to bring community together. I think we do have mascots. We've got our Titan, got our Ranger, the various mascots. And I think I think it's fitting for, for our, our GRT and, and Ion service. That was just announced this week. Ryder, spelled with a Y. Ryder, the uh, bunny mascot for the GRT, uh, the story again that uh, the little, little bunny, who wasn't named Ryder yet, was uh, lost at a transit shelter. Bus driver took him in. They tried to find the owner. It was a story for a couple of months where we couldn't find the owner. And now uh, this week emerged as uh, the big rider, the tall rider, magically happened, uh, who is the... Uh, Mascot for Grand River Transit. Cool. And that was Colleen James, by the way, regional counselor from Kitchener, talking about that and how that uh, happened. Now, uh, of course, um, this mascot is uh, real. Ryder the Bunny is real. Santa's real. I get that. But uh, just to say, some sometimes the mascots actually have to be uh, played by somebody else. And in some cases. Not here. I'm just saying. Okay? Follow me? So... Way, way back when, I'm a very young uh, person in uh, broadcasting, and uh, a local company where I was put out a, a, a mascot that was a moose. And they had the moose do uh, radio commercials, and I did the voice for the mascot on radio commercials. And I don't know what I did. It was just, I, I, I don't do voices, but I just did something, you know, <laughs> Whatever, I did a character. And they liked it so much, they said, you know, when the mascot is out in public, uh, we want our mascot to be able to talk and interact with people. And since the voice is becoming known, you have to wear a costume and do the voice. Would you do that for an amount of money? And, of course, uh, if I get paid for it, I'll do it. Yes. So I do this thing for... I don't know, six months, uh, ended up moving I'm between jobs. I'm applying for uh, what we used to call unemployment insurance until we changed it to employment insurance. 
Employment insurance is what I pay. When I get it back, it's unemployment insurance. But anyway, so I'm between jobs. So I'm I'm applying, and it said a previous job, and I put moose because I was young and I was a smartass. I put moose. But I tell you, it sure got me a meeting at a desk a lot quicker than anything else. Sir, you were a moose. Is that correct? Yes. What do you mean, Moose? What do you? Well, what costume? Did a voice? She goes, "Oh, so you were an actor, performer?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess." And I like Moose better. I was a Moose in my previous job. Is there any Moose jobs that are uh, available? And I have experience, and um, actually got a chance to be a mascot for a while. So, again, sometimes a mascot requires a person to play the mascot. Most of the other ones, of course, are. Real mascots, just to be clear on that for the kids. All right. Uh, Bunny, I I keep calling Bunny the mascot. It's Ryder the Bunny who's the mascot. All right. Here's Grant on City News 570. Go ahead, Grant. I was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. True story. Well, whatever works, right? Yeah. Yeah, I... I know when I was out of a job, I I, I went to this. Uh, oh, they advertise uh, for actors or commercials. I thought no experience necessary. All right, why not check this out? Uh, they sent me a notice back, and I thought it was kind of fishy because they said. Um, if you want to come down to office, you pay 50 bucks. And I'm thinking, no, I think you're supposed to be paying me 50 bucks. That's right. As soon as you pay, yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought, well, I wasn't too sure what I would come up with. And I thought, well, maybe I can come up with something. But if, if, if the first time they're going to ask, then the second time they'll probably keep asking for money, right? So I thought, no, right. this is. This is this is a scam. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Grant, yeah. thanks for the call, my friend. Appreciate it as always. As I had an agent for uh, a couple of different agents over the years. Uh, don't have one now. Don't need one. But had an agent for acting and the like. And they would ask you if you would if you wanted to do extra work, like be an extra on a, on a movie. And a lot of guys who were the serious serious actors, it was beneath them. So they wouldn't take extra work. But for guys like me just trying to make some money on a side, it's like, yeah, I'll do extra. I'll be an extra. Because sometimes extras, they see you and they go, you walking by the fruit stand there, you should say something. And you get a speaking line and then you get your salary triples. And it's, But extra work, you get paid enough to sit around. You get fed usually if you're there all day. Um, and it's fun. You watch the whole process. So I'm an extra, and you can still see me in the Canadian Heritage commercial for Winnie the Pooh. And it was shot at the distillery district in uh, Toronto because it all looks old and cobblestone and stuff. And they had old cars there, and we were all in period. I had a period costume. Uh, a couple of guys were dressed as soldiers. I was just a citizen in a hat, walked down the street, walk into that doorway. And um, if you blink, you miss me. But it's it's kind of fun to be 
uh, I guess more fun if I was the star of the commercial, I guess, I know, but better paid, but even to be uh, an extra. Anyway, didn't mean to reminisce about that story, but from mascots to uh, acting, I've been a moose and a guy on the street. It's my acting career summed up there for you. Well, actually, I'm in a movie, but it's uh, it's in a few film festivals. Uh, it's called Start Stop. If you ever see it at a film festival, I've actually got a decent part in that. Some friends of mine did it, and uh, it's kind of cool. Anyway, actor. All right. Uh, now back to what I do now, which is uh, filling in on a talk show, hosting a talk show for Mike Farwell, and Free Phones Friday, where it's all up to you. We'll do that next here on City News 570. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. One day only, the Larry Fedorik program, instead of Mike Farwell, Mike back in the new year, and uh, it's Free Phones Friday. Free Phones Friday, where we turn it over to you. What are you thinking about? What are you talking about? What do you want to say? Do you want to say Merry Christmas, Merry Festivus? Happy Festivus, I guess. That's tomorrow. Uh, What else? Do you have some thoughts about what's been going on this year, this week, today? Uh, Let us know. It's Free Phones Friday, 519 570 2545 or toll free 1 800 570 5715. That's 5715. 1 800 570 5715 toll free or star 570 on your cell. Just before the break, we're talking about uh, being an extra on uh, on movies. I was also, and I'm, I always mean to look this up when I think of it. I got a job as an extra on um, CTV network was shooting some series that was going to run in Canada. It had international stars in it. I remember being impressed at the leads. I was like, I know those people. Ooh. Um, and they were going to sell the series worldwide with some kind of like daytime drama thing, soap opera-ish. So I got a job as an extra. And as an extra, you have to bring your own wardrobe often. And you go through the wardrobe master or mistress and they tell you, yeah, wear that jacket, that tie, whatever. And it was a restaurant scene, and I was sitting with a woman, and uh, you couldn't talk. You had to pretend you were talking, but real conversation. So, you, so you were just moving your mouth, you know. And and uh, but you had to not talk at the same time, even though there was no words or sound coming out. So you kind of had to. End. It's tough. It's a tough job. And they gave us a little, uh, like a glass of some sort of juice that was the wine, and a salad. And the idea was you were you had to eat occasionally, but she said, don't eat too much because there's no more salad. And if we have to do 10 takes, you have to have some salad left so you can eat, but try and just pretend more to eat and don't eat too much of this. So it was like, it was fun. It was sitting, having a silent conversation with a stranger pretending to eat salad. That was like, they, they got paid for that. It was a hundred bucks or whatever. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool. It's fun doing that stuff. Um, I, as a career, I don't know, but as a as a side hustle, it's not bad. All right, let's get to free phones Friday. Here's Grant. Uh, Grant, go ahead. You're on City News 570. Yeah, it's too bad what's going on in is that Prague or Prong? Uh, in Prague. Prague, yeah. What's what's wrong with these people? And then he did away with himself. So what's the purpose of terrifying people like that? When I see that, I think to myself, do, can they not see how happy or kind of joyful we are over here? We're not blowing people away because I don't, 
I don't know what he was doing it for. Maybe he just didn't like that religion. No, no, I it doesn't. Uh, thanks, Grant. I don't like. I'm not going to comment on the individual mental state of a person that could be from anywhere in the world. It doesn't. You know, they talk about American mass shootings and access to guns and. And there are countries that limit access to guns that don't have as much, but this is, this is, that's a debate, I guess, but this is just tragic for a number of other reasons. And I always think, you know, if you're going to, you're going to kill a bunch of people and kill yourself, why don't you start with yourself first? Uh, that would help us all. You know, I just, it's awful. Who knows what was going on with this guy? He kills his father and then decides to, um, go against a bunch of innocent people and we don't know the motivation it doesn't appear to be political or religious it just appears to be uh, a a complete depraved state of mental health that would lead somebody to do this i guess i don't know what to say about it other than that and it's a very sad thing of course of course uh kyle on free phones friday hey kyle go ahead (laughs) merry christmas larry well thank you kyle you I, uh, too. That's my best. That's my best Santa impression I can do. <laughs> it's not bad. It's a good laugh. It's a good. Good ho ho. Hey, you know what? Uh, actually, it's funny. Santa actually came to my house on Wednesday because he had to. He was going from one event to another and had to and had to stop at my house to make sure he was okay. Um, but he didn't want any milk or cookies. He just wanted a bottle of water. But I tried. So uh, no. I just want to say to everybody: Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. All the best to every single one of these callers that call in, and I'll talk to everybody in the new year, my friend, and be safe and have fun, and even though the snow's not falling, just enjoy it with every single one of your friends and family. Thanks a lot, Larry. Have a good one, my friend. You too, Kyle. Thank you so much for that. It's very nice, and uh, all the best to you. My saying that I've been trying to, um, and I have no problem with Merry Christmas, and I, I don't like the discussion of why can't we say Merry Christmas? You can say Merry Christmas. Of course you can, and you should. If, if I, I'm not a particularly religious person, but Christmas to me means a bunch of other things that may not be associated with a Messiah or anything else. Doesn't matter that I don't feel warm wishes, and it's a it's a you know as as it's a it's a happy holiday as is Hanukkah, for example, as is Kwanzaa and Festivus. And I don't mean to say Festivus is is I don't mean to align those with religious observations like Christmas and Hanukkah. But at the same time, I'm saying whatever you choose. It's, it's, uh, yes. So I have no problem saying Merry Christmas, but at the same time, I saw this written on, um, on a wall as graffiti. I didn't even actually see it. I saw a picture of it, but it was graffiti on a wall. And it said, Merry everything and happy always. And I just love what that conveys. And it, it's not that I don't want to say Merry Christmas or, you know, if it like just out of respect, if I'm not sure and I'm making a decision based on a stereotype, I get it. But if I'm not sure, I'll just say happy holidays. Uh, and most people uh, that may not celebrate Christmas and I say Merry Christmas to them, they're not particularly insulted. <laughs> you know, they don't care. I offered you a nice greeting at this time of year when a lot of people in some way or the other are celebrating or observing this particular holiday. So if I say Merry Christmas to you and you don't celebrate Christmas, it's not an insult for gosh sakes. It's like, uh, you know, like occasionally I'll say Happy Holidays or I'll just say Merry Christmas. I don't care. But I like Merry Everything and Happy Always because that just covers it. That just covers it. Hope you have a happy new year. Hope you have a happy birthday. Hope you have a 
happy vacation. Happy always. Isn't that the goal? Sure. Merry everything and happy always. It's Free Phones Friday. What's on your mind? 519-570-2545. 1-800-570-5715-toll-free or star 570 on your cell. Uh, mentioned at the beginning of the show that the Monday Christmas, perhaps the Tuesday Christmas, is probably the best. For most of the people outside of retail who seem to have to work all the time, uh, it's um, it's in a Monday through Friday world, which much of it still is. I know we work from home. We work all the time. We're all connected. It's all crazy. But much of the world is still based around 9 to 5 and Monday through Friday. It's why it's why we have morning and afternoon rush hours. It's why we have weekend sales and why the traffic is different in the and the offers at the grocery store are different on a weekend than they are on a Monday. It's 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 still much of Monday through Friday world. And when Christmas is on a Monday or Tuesday, it usually leads to a four or five day kind of weekend. So it's kind of nice, you know. School's out today, probably school gets to leave early, probably out about now for a lot of kids. And um, and now th- they get the extended break. And usually um, with Christmas on a Monday, you can usually kind of low-key, because you get Monday and Tuesday off. So what can you accomplish on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? You low-key that at the office or at the workplace. And then you get the New Year's off. And then so it's a... It's just a welcome break that we do for ourselves here at the uh, at the end of the year. So it's nice to have uh, the uh, observation on a Monday, I guess, is my point. What else is out there? I just did, I do a podcast called Later That Same Life that I plug at least once, hopefully only once <laughs> when I'm filling in here. Uh, new episodes come out every Thursday. It's on all platforms, pretty much all platforms. I have a YouTube channel also. It's easier to watch it there. Um, and I just released, I guess yesterday, my Christmas podcast. Every year at Christmas, I do a Christmas story. And when I say story, for me as also writer, uh, it's fun for me at any time, but especially at Christmas, to just make up a story out of thin air. And I'm, I'm full disclosure. That's what I do. And this is my third one in the series where it's a different story altogether every year. And it's a story made up completely out of thin air, based in reality, but but that's it. Other than that, everything else is fake, fake, fake. And I tell a story, and it's a plausible story. Like, I expect some people would go, gee, is that right? I'm going to Google that. No, no, I made it up. But it's out there. Uh, then I'm writing currently and, and putting the finishing touches on my year end podcast, which uh, maybe the 22nd of December here today is a little early to talk about year end, but what, you know, w- were there big events this year that kind of got you thinking or wondering? I mean, really the, the news was, and as you go to community, community, certainly there's events that affected your life directly and and things like that. But just overall kind of world picture, national picture, a lot of energy was taken up by talking about the war in Ukraine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine still. We are coming up to the second anniversary of that, by the way, the anniversary in February. Uh, Incredible if you think about it that way. 
in January, January 6th, will be the third anniversary of the insurrection in Washington. Can you believe that time flies, I guess? Uh, third anniversary. Uh, so, But anyway, back to war in Ukraine. Right up until October 7th, a lot of energy was taken up talking about Russia and Ukraine and Putin and all that and his allies. And then, then Hamas invaded Israel on October 7th. And that is, um, that is ongoing, of course, all these, all these weeks later. We thought, I, I think a lot of people thought it wouldn't go that long. Uh, but here it has. And, uh, boy, it's, it's changed a lot of the world and a lot of, the way people look at the policies of Israel and in some cases given rise to anti-Semitism, which is the world's oldest prejudice, which is really unfortunate because I think, I think people have, even if you're not a, a hater, I think people have a problem um, differentiating between Hamas and Palestinians and between Jews and Netanyahu and the policies of an Israeli government um, you can disagree politically with Netanyahu or uh, his his war stance or whatever, and and not be anti-Semitic. It's just I disagree with the policies of this nation when it comes to war. And in the meantime, every leader in the free world, whether it be England, France, Germany, the United States, Canada, uh, all these leaders are politically motivated, sadly, trying to fall on the correct side of an issue and are having a problem because it's their own political future. So they have to do a dance while people are in war zones and dying and not getting relief and medical attention because of their their political future. If I say this, then I won't get the support from the Jews. And if I say that, I won't get support from Palestinians and so on and so forth. The diaspora and all these countries are are taken to the streets. So it's really... Uh, it's really quite the situation, but that's those those two stories certainly a lot of a lot of energy uh, this year. Uh, we have Grant, uh, but not the Grant who we talked to moments ago. This is Grant. Go ahead. This is a different Grant. <laughs> You're the different Grant, or is yeah. he the different Grant? Grant I don't know. Arborist. Yeah, ha- has had been for many years. Anyways, having said that, a little comment about the leaves and. Uh, when it comes to Mike and and the people that think the city shouldn't clean them up, they don't realize how much it costs to uh, uh, clean out the uh, storm sewers and how much damage they do if they end up out on the street and plugging them up and flooding. Oh. Anyways, the other thing that I think the major thing that I called about was uh, the... Uh, Talking about doing without uh, and how our parents taught us how to save and not waste. And you mentioned your era, and I come from that era too. I live in a farming community uh, up by Lestival and have been here for, my family been here for many generations. And mm-hmm. and anyways, uh yeah, farmers waste very little because they know how much work it takes to produce food. And they're very, very prudent. And so you learned uh, how to do that, too. And 
when we're in dire straits, we don't forget how to survive uh, and not waste. Uh, I said to some people, I've told them when they complain about uh, this and that, I say to them, you know, uh, we we li- it's not that we don't have enough. In my view, in a lot of cases, it's we have too much and we waste so much mm-hmm. because uh, we don't know how to uh, we we don't ha- know how to separate the wants from the needs. That's part of it for sure. Uh, Grant, we'll stop it there for time. Thank you for the call, man. But the there have been studies about, example, food waste. How much food waste uh, people go through? They, um, you know, the what does my mom used to say? My grandmother used to say, "Your eyes are bigger than your stomach. You took too much." You know, and I, it, I mean, all these old things prove to be true and beneficial and helpful to us because one of the things I, I started to do years ago as a single person was, was, um, just really, um, I get portion control. I don't know what to call it. Uh, making sure that I, that I have enough, uh, old margarine tubs and Tupperware to freeze things so that I can, I can buy some extra things, but reportion them so that there's not too much for me, so I don't waste food. And they talk about one of the key things, and the the food professor from uh, Charlebois from from Dalhousie will say the same thing. One of the ways when they say food inflation, one of the ways to battle food inflation is cutting down on food waste. And that is proper uh, uh, food portioning, proper food preparation, don't make too much, uh, food purchase, storage, all that stuff. You know, to to Grant's point about there's too much and, and we end up wasting some of it is correct. That if we learn how to do that more, there'll be less waste. Well, what else is on your mind? It's Free Phones Friday here on City News 570. More of your calls in a moment. Larry Fedorkin from Mike Farwell today. Free Phones Friday this hour, 519-570-20. Oops, I got the number wrong. I didn't quite get it wrong, but I was going to. Uh, 519-570-25. 45, 1-800-570-5715-570. We were talking about not wasting this kind of recurring theme on the show today when we were talking about waste management. I just thought of this. The other thing my grandparents used to do uh, was recycle Christmas cards and birthday cards sometimes. So if you got a birthday card or a Christmas card and the signature inside was relatively small, in other words, it wasn't a big letter note in there. It just said, you know, from Aunt Sophie. Uh, they would either, if there was cardboard underneath there, they would cut the Aunt Sophie out, or sometimes they'd paste a piece of white paper on there and re-gift, if you will, the Christmas card. They'd sign over that and sign it. And, and you always knew that you got a recycled card. Somebody, else, But the thought was there. Isn't it the thought that matters? Uh, Paul is on City News 570. Free phones Friday. Go ahead, Paul. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Listen, Good. I'm old. I'm retired. The uh, I've right. lived in the same house in Preston, part of Cambridge, for over 30 years. And right. I look at the changes. Now, um, 
During the last uh, 30 years of my career, I traveled extensively through the States. And I can remember the first time that I saw someone dumpster diving in Los Angeles. And I thought to myself, mm. thank God Canada isn't like that. It's so much better. But now, uh, with inflation running the way it is, all the things that are happening, uh, the cost of food and that, now we're seeing that here in Canada as well. And locally, the, uh, the food banks, such high usage at the food banks, this was unheard of not that many years ago. Now, earlier this week, they had a, uh, uh, a guest on talking about a little pantry here in Cambridge, an area that was set up where there was free food that people uh, could discreetly go in and just pick up a few cans of uh, non-perishable items and that. The, um, nobody judged anybody. It was set off in such a way that there was some privacy so you weren't viewed. Somebody mm-hmm. complained about it. It appears that the structure is actually on uh, city-owned land across the front of their house. Mm. Now, she was on uh, the, the Mike Farwell show. The, um, I've been in communications with her. The, uh, I had the opportunity to speak to uh, one of the city council members on uh, Monday night. I raised it with, uh, with them. I've been in touch with her again. Nobody from City Hall is getting back to her to uh, explain what she can do to get an exemption. You know, like how petty is somebody that's going yeah. to complain about somebody who is helping out and giving food to people who are in need? And yet, like she says, she can't get yeah. a response from bylaw. Bylaw says it has to be gone by the end of the month. Nobody from City Hall will get back to her. And it's, well, it's going to be one of those things. The holidays are coming up. Everything's going to be shut down. The uh, great call. We'll talk more about it after the break. We've got to get the news on here. It's next on City News 570. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. One day only, filling in for Mike Farwell. It's Free Phones Friday, noon to one, every Friday. That's what we're doing. What's on your mind? Let me know. 519-570-2545. 1-800-570-5715 is toll-free. Star 570 is on your mobile. Now, I was listening to a story from NORAD. This, the what is it, North American Air Defense Command? Well, whatever. NORAD, we all know NORAD. NORAD, uh, this was in the same day I heard the story. In the morning I heard the story that they want um, to speak to all the people who contribute, all the nations who contribute to NORAD, and they want to say, hey, listen, we need updates. Uh, if we're going to keep uh, things safe with, you know, North Korea firing missiles all over and all this stuff, we have to... We need upgrades. We need staffing. We need uh, hardware. We need software. We need all this stuff. So let's let's refund NORAD. And then a couple hours I heard. By the way, we're tracking Santa. We'll be tracking Santa again on Christmas Eve. <laughs> That's kind of funny to me. We have enough money to track Santa. We're not worried there. It's the other stuff we're kind of concerned about. So NORAD, they've been tracking Santa for something like 60 years. It's incredible what a tradition that is. And uh, same when we were kids, same thing, except now you can actually get, uh, I think there's video where you can get some 
I, I don't know how extensive the video is, but you can actually get video of NORAD tracking Santa. So they're out there, not only keeping us safe, but letting us know how Santa's doing on his uh, magical around-the-world trip on Christmas Eve. Good for NORAD. Here's Andre. Andre, go ahead. You're on City News 570. Hi, Larry. Hey. Good afternoon. Um, so, yeah, I really like what you said earlier um, about uh, the recycle. Um, Tinfoil, um, Ziploc bags. Um, I do bread tags too. I use that to scrub the floor or pots and pans, but now they got freaking cardboard on those bread tags now. So, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, also when you said that, I think you said your mom, uh, clean, eats other people's place or that she doesn't waste food. She would, well, no, she wouldn't. First of all, you never threw food away. You always put it in the fridge, but even if there was a teaspoon of something left, she would eat it rather than throw it away. That's right. Yeah. yeah, so so that's what I do now with my, my two little ones. When they don't finish, they just dump their plate in my plate, right, because they know daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It puts a smile on my face, uh, so no no loss there. Um, <laughs> and, again, you were talking about portion. You know, hand portion is, is, is keeps keeps us healthy. You know, more than that, it's too much, right? It's like you said. Right. The other guy said want and need is different. Uh I wanted to uh, uh, talk something that probably 90% of the population is not going to like, but I have to get it off my chest, and this is Friday. Okay. I haven't been, my family and friends, we haven't been vaccinated since the beginning of this, and I I feel for the people that went through all this um, during COVID. Um, It didn't change much my life except for anxiety because I stayed more at home because that was the rule. Um, I, you know, use the application of when you're sick, you stay home, you take care of yourself. Uh, I like natural remedy like onions and honey for your throat, stuff like that, right? Like my mom and grandma. Um, uh, And now the school was asking for my kids to be caught up on their shots. (laughs) And the list is just unbelievable more than my fingers and that's to me as a parent is not good so we went to a commissioner and we got approved for no shots um you know i know my past lifetime i did get vaccinated for different things but this when you get like eight ten vaccination it's too much so uh what i'm trying to say is um i'm happy i'm not bragging i'm happy that we're here to tell that, um, you know, we went through it. Um, And what I don't understand is how come they are not, I wouldn't say analyze the people who didn't get vaccinated, but how come there's not more testing on people like us? Because it seems like all the vaccines and boosters are done um, and people are so confused. Um, So, yeah, that's what I wanted to share. All right. I'm very grateful that, you know, nothing happened to us. Um, and I know a lot of people who did get their shots and stuff like that are, are are very badly sick. But I blame it because the weather, it's not cold enough, so there's a lot of virus out there. Uh, like I heard Miss McCabe this morning, you know, coughing a lot. And when I went to the 
a choir at school a couple of days ago. So many people coughing. It's just crazy. Mm. But, you know, I don't understand. But um, I just sometimes in my heart feel bad that um, I, I can't get my kids vaccinated because I don't understand what's happening. Um, so, yeah, that's what I want to share. And, All right, Andre. Oh, he just stopped there. Okay. I, I was going to stop him anyway. There's not a lot of science in what Andre said. I don't know if you noticed that, but I, I, and I didn't necessarily want to take him on on this, but, um, you know, you, you don't necessarily, first of all, vaccines are um, the safest thing you can put in your body. That's just it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's something that gets your body to do something your body should be doing anyway, but it's not because viruses and disease uh, attack your body this is helping your body defend it so i again i'm not a scientist or a doctor so i can't explain it in any other way and that there's some of the safest and it's the same it's the same reason i wore a mask and i got vaccinated and when when i had family gatherings during covid i made separate little snack cups and things like that it wasn't always because i thought this was going to keep us safe it was out of respect for people who might be concerned okay uh in my grocery store early in, well, a lot of stores did this. You, I noticed the day they came off. Remember we did for a, a year or more directional arrows in the store's aisles? You can still see them some places where they just haven't peeled the stickers off the floor. And they tried to do one-way traffic down aisles. And in my grocery store, we were all doing it. And one guy and his wife were full cart. They're going opposite against everybody. And I said something to the guy, and he just nearly attacked me. And I'm like, like, oh, BS, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, okay, pal. So I didn't say this, but my the thought was, all right, so you, you don't believe it or think this is helping or doing anything, uh, but the rest of us do. And couldn't you respect our wish? We seem to be in the majority here, by the way. Our wish to kind of follow the directional arrows. Uh, I'm willing to have a discussion whether this did anything or not or whether it was good or bad or whatever. But just um, people come over and go, are you vaccinated? Yeah, I'm fully vaccinated. I still am. I got my latest COVID uh, like uh, beginning of the season, September, somewhere in there, 1st of October. I got my flu shot. I got my uh, COVID update. I'll do that. I don't. You know what I mean? Feel better about it. We had a family get together last week for Christmas. Big grouping. Hey, I'm fully vaccinated. Okay. That it put others at ease. It may have helped me. I don't know. Now to his point, to Andre's point of how come somebody like I don't believe that people are sick because they got vaccinated. I don't believe that ever. Uh but to his point about and my point earlier. That will we ever be able to have a non-politicized, serious discussion about our response to COVID? Um, I said earlier that there's, you know, a pandemic could potentially wipe out half a planet. Somebody called me and said, no, there's no such thing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was, I, I, uh, was exaggerating to make a point. I don't think half the planet, but there's some pretty serious stuff out there that we don't know about. Um, you know, the ancient bacteria, if the Arctic ever thaws out completely, that's going to rise into the, like, this is all scientific stuff. We don't know how bad it is. Would it kill us to be prepared as opposed to being unprepared when COVID hit? Now, thanks to medical science and some existing science, 
the guys who won the Nobel Prize uh, for the science that eventually led to, they say, you know, we came up with the COVID vaccine in a few months. We didn't. They had the science for a few years. They just didn't really apply it to vaccine. When they did, it worked out and we we're able to get a vaccine out there. Do you agree with the vaccine? Do you not agree? Do we overreact? We have to have that serious discussion to be better prepared next time. That's all. And and we can't seem to have it because people go, oh, vaccines, they make people sick. Oh, it's BS, all oh, this. It's all government. It's all money. Yeah, big pharma is big money. I get that. But um, we have to, we have to, you know, during, they spend more time going over films in a football game after a game to figure out what went good and what went bad than they do trying to figure out what happened during the pandemic and what do we do right and what do we do wrong? What do we do next time if we, if, the, if there is a next time? That's all I'm saying is we should have this serious discussion about it. Kathy is joining the uh, show. Kathy, you're on City News 570. Yes, that was an interesting analogy there. Anyhow, um, going back to your comment about how your mother saved everything, I grew up in that era, too, and it was known Mm -hmm. as um, saving money. (laughs) You saved money. People that grew up during the Depression had no money. So by holding on to those things, they didn't have to spend money to replace it. And I have a whole batch of family members that were pack rats due to this. And it's even following through into the next generation in some cases. We all admit to being somewhat of a pack rat because we grew up with that. But it was known as saving money because they just didn't have the money to spend on basic expenses. So they had to do whatever they could do, be very frugal. So that was that. Anyhow, going back to the uh, doctor from the University of Waterloo with his new mm-hmm. electromagnetic thing, I too find that very interesting, and I really hope that Health Canada does approve this because the way our medical system is stressed these days and the way people themselves are stressed these days, anything that we can use to prevent chaos is beneficial. And this sounds like it would be something that would help prevent a lot of grief in many different directions. The electromagnetic fields for like um, the human body have been used in other ways called bioenergetic. And mm-hmm. the um, energy fields around your body also react with the energy fields around our electrical. All of our, everything that we have plugged in has an energy field around it. So mm-hmm. there's no doubt that this would certainly be beneficial. And I sincerely hope Health Canada does take it seriously and get it up and going. Me too. Me too. Kathy, thanks for the call. Great call. Uh, it's not, and but this, by the way, the doctors, uh, Omar Rahani, Ramahi, sorry, Ramahi, um, is not, uh, it doesn't read energy. It just uses energy to create an impression. Uh, that's what it does. So it's not the energy from your body. It's just your body is a mass. Your breast is a, mass your hand is a mass it reads and gets an impression of it through electromagnetic uh energy so uh grant go ahead you're on grant yeah so do you have to travel very far for for your for christmas uh no i do not i do not oh that everybody's kind of within a half an hour of each other or less oh that's that's nice for you yeah and do you have a huge family uh, I got a couple of kids, a brother, so, you know, and uh, extended um, significant others and things. So we're a nice little group, you know. Well, it sounds like you're 
like I've told you numerous times, you sound like you'd be you be a fun dad to hang out hang out around with <laughs> and an uncle. <laughs> well, so, as you always, you're always a, a fun, a more fun uncle than you are a dad, right? Because the same thing with grandparents. You don't have to say any of the bad stuff or discipline. You just get to spoil kids and stuff. So how about you, Grant? How's your uh, holiday looking up? Well, mom has dementia. She's had it for 11 oh. years. So there's no point of bringing it up because bringing it up, it just stresses her. It took me six hours, uh, both, uh, 11 years ago, getting her out of the apartment to my brother's place for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. It might sound like fun, but it's really not not fun for no, them, and not fun for the driver that has to drive there and back. Right, so it's right. Yeah, so um, like I told Mike, oh, you're not a religious guy. That's fine, and Andy, I'll I'll look up a a movie that relates to. Uh, the true meaning of, of Christmas and, and go from there. All right. Have a, have a happy season, Grant. Yeah, you too. Um, thank you so much for all the calls and support during the year when I'm filling in it's city news, five seventy. more in a moment. I'm Larry Fedorik sitting in for Mike Farwell, the one day only uh, fill in. I uh, want to thank Mike for taking a day off occasionally. Uh, and allowing me to have the fun of filling in on his uh, talk show. I want to thank James at City News 570 for uh, helping put the show together every time I'm filling in. And for Devin, who's uh, putting stuff together, audio and technically, as we're doing the show here. So thank you and uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. And um, we'll talk somewhere in the new year, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. In the meantime, we've got a few minutes left here on Free Phones Friday. If you have something you want to get in. In the uh, last few minutes, uh, it's kind of a last-minute weekend. We got uh, the rest of today, tomorrow, and and Sunday to get it ready. And then Christmas Day, uh, Christmas Eve growing up was always a bigger deal for me than Christmas Day. And uh, when I was a kid, we celebrated Ukrainian heritage. We still celebrated the Julian calendar. We lived by the regular calendar. But... Um, my mom, who lived to be 94, uh, still to uh, the last year she's alive, would have on um, uh, on January 6th, uh, Christmas Eve, on the Julian calendar, she would have something. Even though we eventually, the church and everybody celebrated on the 24th and 25th, they always had a little family get together on the 6th and the 7th and, and a little thing, you know. And uh, my mom's funeral is actually January 14th, which is the Julian calendar or so-called Ukrainian New Year. So it was kind of, we we all kind of stopped and thought about that for a second on the January 14th of this past year. But but yeah, even at that, whether we did the 24th or the 6th, Christmas Eve, I don't know if that's for you. That's, uh, I, we had some friends used to put up their tree Christmas Eve. That was their Christmas Eve thing. They had friends and family over and the tree got put up. And then uh, it got taken down January 2nd, whereas, whereas now you get the tree up, what, beginning of December to kind of get the house festive? I, I, and most people get a tree up a lot earlier than the 24th. I wonder if anybody still does that, gets the tree up on the 24th of December. Uh, but we really got 
like I said, I like Christmas on a Monday or Tuesday. It's a longer weekend. And uh, I also think all Boxing Day commercials should be outlawed uh, till Boxing Day. Well, I guess that's not fair because have you ever done Boxing Day? That's the other thing. We're already trying to think about the savings we're going to get after Christmas before we actually celebrate Christmas. That's always kind of struck me a little odd. I've only done Boxing Day once, like literally once in my life, where where I got up at 4.30 in the morning and, and showered and got dressed and, and hit the transit like for 5 a.m. to get to a store to line up at 5.30 or 6. Because um, I really want... Really wanted this camera and I got it. So whatever. So, but but I've never done. Bo- and now now we have Boxing Week. So I assume that the deals are still as good on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday of next week as they might be on a Tuesday. Am I wrong in that? Or I just don't like the whole craziness idea. It's it. I don't like Black Friday. Uh, and, and it starts on Thursday, the Thanksgiving in America, which is like, Hey, take some time for yourself. Don't be shopping. And the same thing I feel about boxing day. It's like, Hey, it's a holiday, you know, and there's retail people having to work on us on a holiday. Uh, and we're out on a holiday. Why don't you take that 24, 25, 26 for some family stuff and whatever, you know, Grant talked about the true meaning of, of Christmas, uh, doesn't have to be religious. I'm more like true meaning of life. Find the true meaning of life. That'll be the true meaning of Christmas. It'll be the same thing. I bet you it will, right? <laughs> Once you hit it. So, uh, nevertheless, uh, a lot of last minute stuff to get done, uh, over the weekend. I imagine there'll be a lot of, a lot of lineups at, uh, stores and, and, uh, grocery stores and LCBOs and what have you as people, uh, get ready for Monday. Not a green or excuse me, not a white Christmas, more of a green Christmas, a dull gray brown Christmas. Fine by me. Don't need the snow. Just as good without it. Just as good if people have to travel a half an hour, an hour, two hours, or uh, on an airplane. Uh, better to have the nicer weather for that than the uh, the Christmas card ideal snow chalet <laughs> white Christmas, right? Whatever. It's just a song. It's just a song. When did it become anything? Uh, and of course, uh, a Merry Christmas to you. As I said, my, my saying that I'm trying to get more popularized, I didn't think of it. I just saw it and I'm trying to make it more popular is Merry Everything and Happy Always. Merry Everything and Happy Always. I wish that for you as well. Uh, thank you for inviting me in and letting me host on City News 570. Uh, anytime I've hosted, it's always been great. Not everybody agrees with me, but we all seem to be able to uh, get our thoughts out there, and it's always uh, an enjoyable time. As I said, uh, some different programming next week here on City News 570. Mike Farwell will be back, and the Mike Farwell Show will be back in the new year. And somewhere in the new year, I imagine, so will I. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Merry Everything, Happy Always. We'll talk soon.